And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment, along with PressBox, presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And we are aboard for a, another go-around of the bat around on this Saturday, February the 10th. Stan the Fan and Craig Heist, along with our new driver, Brittany Everett. And uh, we will be here for the next two hours entertaining and informing you about the great game of baseball. Craig Heist, how are you, my friend? Good. Uh, long night at the Caps game last night, but they came 4-2 up. 4-2 victory. 4-2 win over the Columbus Blue Jackets, making back-to-back wins over Columbus. And Columbus right on the on the brink, brink rather, because uh, going into last night, they held the second and final wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but so the Caps get four big points in two games against them, winning a home-and-home. Home. So hockey and basketball, they're both 81-game seasons, yes. right? Where are they now? Is hockey at about game 60? Uh, somewhere in there, yeah. And basketball I, maybe 50, yeah, 55? Hockey yeah, end, hockey ends like the first week of April, basketball, basketball third the second week, week of April. Week of April. Yeah. And then you have the playoffs that kind of get going a couple of days right after the uh, regular season ends. All right. Uh, the Caps made a small trade yesterday with the New York Rangers. Yeah, minor league deal. Minor league yeah. deal. Yeah. Do you, any impact on the major league uh, No, no, club? no. Nobody on the, on, no, on no, the big league No club. immediate impact on the big club, no. But, okay. Uh, uh, that was a big win for them last night uh, because they uh, they got a very very lucky and opportune goal in a one one tie with one point five seconds to go at the end of the first period. Okay. But then the Blue Jackets came right back out in the first minute and scored and tied the game. Uh, you know, but then the, the Capitals knuckled down. They got outshot by twenty shots last night and, and still, still won still wound game. up with thirty seven to seventeen. Uh, Braden Holtby, 35 saves last night. How's he still playing? Oh, Great, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Okay. One of the best. He's probably one of the top two or three goalies in the league. Are they a dangerous team come playoff time? Well, you know, that's the $64 million question. Because the expectations won't be as great on their shoulders, will well, they? Well, no, because they're probably not going to win a President's Cup this year. They're right. pretty, you know, they'll, they'll maybe win this Metropolitan Division mm-hmm. and, and still put themselves in a decent position. Uh, but not having the best record, that kind of thing, like they have the last two years going into the postseason. But again, it really hasn't mattered what kind of record they've had. Uh, they just haven't been able to seem to get past or out of that second round. So we'll see what happens. And before we we get, go over what's on today's baseball talk program, the battle round, just a basketball question about the Wizards. They're without John Wall for probably the next seven weeks or so. Six or seven uh, weeks probably more? Probably closer to ten, ten, five weeks Five right weeks, now, yeah. okay. Uh, do, do you get this whole thing? I mean, what is the relationship between John Wall and his teammates? Was too much made of this thing that some people think they're a better team without Wall? Well, I don't I see think, that. I, I don't see that either, and I think too much was made out of it. I just think is that he a, popular after, with his teammates? Well, I've never seen any any indication that he wasn't. Right. Uh, I'm not as close to that situation as some are, mm-hmm. but I don't. I, I think much was made to do about nothing out of it. Right. Uh, there Just were because some, they there won, were some they win five games. They in won a row. five straight, uh, but now they've lost two straight. Right. 
You know, so now, and, we'll and hear, one of the, now we'll hear the, the stories about back, how they're right? not, not, a, not as good with We that. need him back. But uh, the, the other night against Boston, and they had beaten Boston back in December up at TD Garden by eight points. Right. Uh, they had a situation the other night where kind of a phantom foul on Bradley Beal, which allowed Kyrie Irving to make three free throws to tie the game. And that set was it in. terrible. Into overtime. I was watching. But that. give Kyrie a lot of credit. I mean, he basically kind of single-handedly willed them mm-hmm. to the overtime when he scored uh, seven in the overtime, but he scored 17 of their last 28 points. Wow. So uh, he's a great player. He's a great, great, player, great player and a difference maker. And whatever the issues were between him and LeBron. and then I think the, he did the right thing I think for he did himself. The right you know. thing for himself. And then, and then the, the Cavaliers go out and – ship half their roster out uh, at the trade deadline on Wednesday. Right. That'll be interesting to see how they respond. Yeah, it will be. Or on Thursday, I should say. Yeah. Uh, getting back to the great game of baseball, Rich Dubroff of PressBox, PressBoxOnline.com, will join us at 1020. 1045, Voices of the Game, or, or vo- uh, BaseballVoices.com, I'm sorry, is his mm-hmm. website. Uh, that's his second job, his number one job is play-by-play voice on the radio of the Chicago Cubs. Pat Hughes always returns a phone call, always happy to join us. Uh, and he's got a really good tape. I mean, he's got these CDs that he's selling of all the great voices of the game. One in particular, Chuck Thompson yes. uh, of Baltimore interest. But, I mean, Mel Allen, Red Barber, Milo Hamilton, Bob Euchre, the list goes on, Ron Santo, Harry Carey, the list goes on and on. He's got about 20 of them, and each one probably better than the next. If you ever get a chance, and, and I know it's been several, several years now, but if you ever get a chance, Google Bob Euchre's Hall of Fame induction speech. Okay. And it's absolutely, absolutely. priceless. Yeah. Yes. He's one, of the, he's one of the biggest phonies. And I know he's beloved in Milwaukee. Asked, I asked... Fit back when I first was getting started mm-hmm. in the eighties, Mel Allen would come to town. Uh, I'm, I'm hold on, was it Mel Allen, Ken Coleman, all the great voices of the game. I'd go up to them. I said, "Do you mind doing a promo for me?" You know that when I'm in Baltimore, I listen yeah, to Stan the Fan. fan. Yeah, yeah. Ask Bob Euchre. He goes, looked at me like I had four heads. Well, he had his eyes mm-hmm. checked anyway. <laughs> so. Anyway, he was a he was an sob. But but beloved in Milwaukee, yeah, uh, and uh, a great voice of the game. Well, and, and certainly and a Hall of Fame broadcaster. Hall of Fame broadcaster, but uh, one of the things that kind of propelled his career was uh, Mr. The, Belvedere. Well, no, the fact that he got going with Johnny Carson. Oh yeah, and you yeah. know a lot like Art Donovan did with David know, Letterman. With David, well, no, but Art Donovan was on with Johnny Carson quite a few times. He was. Oh, absolutely. I didn't remember him. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, uh, he was on with Carson when uh, Fatso came out, the book that right. uh, Artie wrote. And uh, Well, that goes back, if you go back 20 years prior to those, that stuff, Joe Garagiola was on mm-hmm. with Carson many times. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, but, but uh, you know, Euchre would go on there and basically talk about, you know, how, how they wound up getting his Hall of Fame ring. And the, the way they gave it to him was they went out and planted it in the grass and made him go out and find it. <laughs> That kind of thing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, Lee Lowenfish is going to join us. Lee was on the show about three or four weeks ago. But with mm-hmm. with the, the, the storm clouds gathering around Major League Baseball's labor relationship, now there's really not a lot that can take place over the next three years 
I heard my friend Mike Farron. I mean, we're not best buddies, uh, but my, my friend Mike Farron on XM the other day talking about. He went on a rant about how the MLB office and the MLBPA's office are about less than a mile apart in New York. And he went on a rant. He goes, "They, they got to get together and sit down and and fix this problem." You know. I don't really anticipate that Major League Baseball feels much motivation to quote-unquote fix something because they have three more years on a basic agreement. But the players' side of things, they're very unhappy with the way they're being treated now by the management of the league vis-a-vis each individual team. Well, and a lot of people, a lot of analysts are just saying flat out what it is, kind of collusion against the players. And, of course, we had that once before. Uh, back when Peter Uberoth was the man, uh, was the uh, commissioner. commissioner of baseball, and uh, it's it's kind of hard to see it not being some form of that now. Just because, but again, if this is still going on a month from now, then then the players have, I think, a reason to gripe a little bit. But I, yeah, I just I mean, think I from a from a fiscal standpoint, you know, the owners are are sitting there looking at this, and a, a lot of these big time contracts that a lot of people are thinking these players are going to get. Uh, and, and we've seen it now for a couple of years, especially with power hitters. It's it, They're not coming to fruition, and that's going to set up a real, real, uh, not dilemma, but a, a real interesting situation once Bryce Harper and Manny Machado come up at the end of next year, or uh, this coming year. Yeah, I, I think the, the, real, the real issue here, and I heard Jim Bowden talking about this yesterday on the XM Fantasy Channel, and he was talking about, look, what happened is we're getting there, there's about six or seven things that are happening, but he pointed out one of the most important things is that the players that were 33 to 37 years old and were getting big contracts 10, 12, 15 years ago, there were a lot of them were using steroids and producing beyond what they would have normally produced at the age of 36, 37, 38. So nobody really wants to have anybody beyond 37 years of age, signed to be making gigantic dollars. I mean, you look at Albert Pujols. Would you like to still owe him another 75 to $100 million? Now with a luxury tax or, out there. Or Miguel Cabrero, you owe him another $90 million over the next three or four years. These contracts were based on the fact that they, they sort of gave the assumption these guys never go backwards past the age of 37 or 38. I mean, Pujols still delivers. I mean, he drove in 100 runs. The guy can barely move. Yeah. You know, so I think I think I rather think it's not collusion. It's rather that they've come to some joint, and I don't mean in concert. Collusion has to be in concert. I think each individual team has sort of said, I just don't think it makes a lot of sense to have guys signed you know, for 10 years at a time. Yeah, and, and again, uh, your point's well taken. And, and I kind of equate it to us in broadcasting. The fact that we're still pretty much on top of our game, but we just can't move very well. <laughs> right, right, right. Good point. Touche. <laughs> uh, anyway, we've got Lee Lowenfish on again. He wrote the book, and I think it's about 1991 it came out, or 92, called The Imperfect Diamond, mm-hmm. about the labor relations in baseball from 1879 to 1990. And it's funny, right after his book came out, a couple of years after, we had the World Series shut down in 94. I think we'd agree that baseball has had unparalleled success 
and the business of baseball has grown exponentially because of the labor peace since 1994, that seems like it could be coming to a head. Uh, and I, the person I'm mostly blaming on, I think that Rob Manfred is much more militant uh, and and really um, uh, proactive in his agenda than I anticipate, anticipated him to be. And it's not a sort of a friendly uh friendly offering the way it was with Bud Selig in a lot of ways. But I think that Tony Clark's inexperience at being the, the, the leader of a union has really shown. So we'll talk to Lee Lowenfish about that. Mike Gibbons from the Babe Ruth Museum is going to come on for a brief visit at about 1125 to talk about the Mount Rushmore of Baltimore sports, the uh, effort by the Sun and Babe Ruth Museum to uh, – to pick out a Mount Rushmore of Maryland sports. Mm-hmm. And there's 20. Have you followed this at all? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Yeah. There's 20 names out there from Ray Lewis, Babe Ruth, Cal Joe Gann, Sugar Ray Leonard, yeah. Cal Ripken. Uh, and and you're able to vote on 10 of the 20. Then when it's nailed down to 10, you're going to be able to vote for four of them. And I got to tell you, there there is no hard and fast rule that it's only going to be four winners but the 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 fifth winner or sixth winner would still have to garner a tremendous percentage of the final vote, somewhere like ninety percent of the vote. So when you get down to four of them, like who's your top four? You got to have Babe Ruth, right? Yeah. Okay. You you got to have Michael would, Phelps, correct? Yeah, and I would think you'd have to have Johnny and Itis. So so here's my question: I go to Brooks. Because of his longevity over Frank, okay? Frank was the better overall yeah, player. Yeah, and I think when you so, think so about Brooks. that first Mr. Oriole, it's Brooks, it's Brooks Robinson. Robinson. Yeah. Okay, so I put him over either Cal Ripken or Frank Robinson, mm-hmm. okay? When you get to Unitas, here's my, here's my point, and it got very interesting, and Gary Stein and I got into a heated argument. I'm the guy kind of from here. Gary's from Miami. He goes, got to be. Well, he wants Dan Marino. He can, no, no. <laughs> Very good. Touche. He wants Danny Thomas. That's right. There you go. Uh, Johnny, he wants Johnny and Ninus. I say. Daggy Gleason. I say that it's. <laughs> Very good. I say it's got to be Ray Lewis. Because here's my thinking. Yeah. In the, in the overall history of the league, wouldn't we agree that Ray Lewis is the greatest linebacker, maybe the greatest defensive player to ever play the game? Game's a little bit different, uh, you know, so, for But me. he's the he's the greatest at his position. Wouldn't you agree he's the greatest middle linebacker? Mm, I saw a lot of Dick Butkus growing up. Okay. The point is, I think that he's the greatest. And that takes nothing away from Ray. No, I understand that. We're talking splitting yeah, hairs yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, splitting hairs. But with Unitas, I think we'd all agree that probably what Montana accomplished – probably what Brady has accomplished, maybe Peyton, that they might be – the game changed, of course. I mean, it's changed a lot since Johnny retired. I just don't know. I To me, I think I put Ray on my final four over Johnny. Well, and, see, I didn't, it, it, and I didn't originally think that two, three weeks ago. It's interesting. I think you always have the Super Bowl Atlanta thing that follows Ray – uh, and, and obviously we know, you know, it had absolutely nothing to do with his induction into the Hall of Fame because he's a slam dunk first ballot Hall right. of Famer. Very little uh, discussion on that. 
but still a lot of people can't get out of their heads, you know, that there are still uh, two people who died in that incident down in, in Buckhead, and uh, uh, Ray did uh, have an obstruction of justice, justice charge against him uh, that, you know, obviously that's all been cleared up and, and to, to, in, in terms of a legal aspect of it, but there's still a lot of people out there who look at that. And Milton Kent wrote a, a, a piece this week uh, saying that, you know, congratulations to Ray, but in his mind he still can't get out of his head that that, the whole incident, that whole incident occurred and that while, while Ray Lewis was exonerated other than the obstruction of justice charge, he knows, you know, what, two people, what went down. Yeah, two people died. It, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, Mike Gibbons will join us for a few minutes, and then I had a chance yesterday to chat with my cousin, uh, ESPN.com's Eddie Matz, Talked mostly nationals, but we did a little bit of comparison with uh, the Orioles and Machado and Harper and all that kind of stuff. We talked a little bit about Matt Weider's regression uh, and whether he fears it. Talks about We talked about Dave Martinez. And by the way, I need to get an apology out there. We put out some misinformation, and there might have been a misunderstanding with us. Dave Martinez's contract was three years for $2.8 million dollars. We somehow, one week, you may have misheard me or something, we were putting out there, or at least I did, I couldn't believe that his total contract value was $600,000 for three years. I know I repeated it three or four times. And No, I think it's by year. No, he's getting over a million. He's getting about 900000 Yeah, but a I, knew, year. I knew it was under a million a year. Okay. Yeah. I misunderstood. I thought that the total compensation... Because I'm, I, maybe you were away that one week, and then I reaffirmed it with Latson, and Latson didn't correct me. But we looked it up yesterday, Glenn Clark and I. Mm-hmm. It's two point eight million for three for years. three years. Okay, yeah. all right. And going, I back, figured you knew that, but somehow, and going back, I made a mistake. Going back very quickly to what you were saying about uh, our current commissioner in baseball, uh, when we had uh, when we had your friend Mike Shallon on last week, right? You know, he says, you know. Uh, uh, Marvin Miller's not walking through the door. <laughs> no, he's not. You know, so from that standpoint, it, it's it's going to be interesting uh, what you say about him being a little bit on the, uh, you, you know, a little more assertive as far as his agenda and things of that nature. Yeah. All right. Joining us right now, this Brittany Everett gal, she moves fast. Mm-hmm. I did not see her pick up the phone and call Rich call, Dubrow. Call him about five minutes ago. Rich, I apologize. You've been sitting there that long. I never noticed she had you up. How are you? Actually, I haven't. I'm I'm doing great, Dan. Um, how are you? And how, hi, right. Craig. How you doing, Rich? Good. 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 Uh, what's the latest? Can you give us any indication that a logjam of overall free agency um, might lead to some events down the road here in Baltimore in the very near future? Well, I, I think they'll lead to events here in Sarasota in the very near future. Because, you know, it, it is just uh, absolutely astounding. Yep. You know, I mean, you've asked me countless times over the offseason when I thought the, um, when, when the, the logjam was going to be broken. You know, when, when were the free agents going to start signing? And I always kept saying, well, it should be this week. It should be this week. And so now, uh, now with, with training camps opening, on uh, on Tuesday, uh, you know things are going to be uh, you know 
I know things are going to going to have to be moving if the players want to play this year or want to be with a team by opening day. So, so let me... it is, uh, you know, it's it's perplexing to say the least, and uh, and, and and pretty uncomfortable, you know, pretty uncomfortable, you know, for those of us who have to, uh, you know, who have who have to analyze what's going on because you know the team that the team that they have now is probably not going to be the team that they have opening day. You know, I, the way I looked at it the other day, I really did, did a countdown and I saw 22 sort of top caliber players in this market left. And that goes from like sort of Carlos Gonzalez at the, maybe the bottom end to JD Martinez at the top end, Eric Hosmer. And then on the pitching side, you got Greg Holland, great relief pitcher, you got four starters that could certainly impact uh, many, many clubs. But I counted roughly 22 top-tier players. I'm assuming most of those 22 will get signed in the next two weeks. That still leaves about 85 players of 110 total that are still out there. Of that 88, how many do you think ultimately get signed and, and make a roster by opening day? Is it going to be 30 or 40? Sorry, I'm, I'm just what, – what's your question? I'm the sorry. The question is there's 88 players beyond the top 22 players. There's 88 other players from guys like Matt Holliday uh, to uh, Jason Vargas and all. Of those 88, how many do you, and I'm leaving out the top 22 players, uh, of which Scott Boris has about seven or eight of those. Of those other 88 players, how many of them do you think actually will be on rosters opening day? Well, I think a lot of them won't because what's happened, you know, I mean, the, the short-term trend is that, you know, a lot of free agents aren't being signed, but the longer-term trend, is that I think that sort of the middle class of players right. um, is being squeezed out in favor of the younger, cheaper players. Right. So I think that, you know, I, I think that there will be, you know, a significant number of players and we're, who and we're talking think, about, oh, gee, they could help a club. Right. May not be, uh, you know, may, may not be easily signed. Yeah, we're because, talking about people you know, like Matt Holliday, uh, JJ Orioles. Hardy, those kind of people. Well, I wouldn't even say that. Hardy's, I wouldn't use Hardy because Hardy is a, a sort of a special case here. I would use more like Seth Smith, right? Because Hardy is a, you know, Hardy is a shortstop, right? And would have and has always been thought of as a regular shortstop, and mm-hmm. not many teams need a regular shortstop. He would have to sort of change position. Whereas somebody like Seth Smith. Um, you know, could be used in, in different in different spots. But I mean, players like that. But um, Seth Smith, you would think, oh yeah, yeah, they'll get a job. Yeah, but he he's made, not in the sort of oh we have to sign him he, category. But oh yeah, he'll get a job. Well, I think a lot of those guys won't get a job. Yes, yeah, Seth Smith made seven and a half million dollars. How easily will he swallow an eight hundred thousand to a million dollars? You know, and not think he may not he, want to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. So I think that's what I think. I think those kinds of players, uh, you know, because let, let's say the Orioles have, uh, you know, even the, this isn't a great compare. This isn't a great comparison. But, you know, OK, well, because Austin Hayes hits right handed and Smith hits left hand, they'll say, oh, well, you know, 
we can take a shot at Austin Hayes because you know Hayes is cheap, you know Hayes is younger and cheaper. But I think that's what I think that, that's sort of the trend you're seeing around baseball. Uh, Craig Gentry winds up with a minor league deal with this club again, uh, or actually to, to, to come back and try to make the major league team. Uh, a guy that I think Buck probably has a little bit of interest in uh, just by what he provided last year. But uh, how do you see that playing out? And, or is this just another body to have in spring training? Well, no, I think Gentry, I think there's a very good chance you'll see, um, you'll see both Craig Heist and Craig Gentry on opening day <laughs> That's uh, good. for the Orioles. Um, Gentry is a, uh, you know, Gentry is a, a favorite of Buck Showalter's and he's a favorite because, you know, he's got, he's got several different skills. He can play all three um, outfield positions and he provides, you know, a creditable um, backup right. uh, for, uh, you know, for Adam Jones in center field. And, you know, if the if it turns out that the choice is between him and Joey Rickard, you may well see Gentry make the club because Rickard has options. Right. And you know, Gentry can be a you know a defensive replacement in in, in any of the outfield positions. Uh, he can be a pinch runner. I mean, so can Rickard. I mean, in a perfect world, the Orioles might want both of those guys. You know, well, on now, the team. That, that perfect but, but I don't know that they. I don't know that they're going to have the space, especially yeah, exactly, if they Anthony decide to, to have uh, Anthony Santander uh, on the team to start the season. Well, now Dan Duquette said that uh, there's no question he's going to add pitching. Where it's coming from, don't quite know yet. And there were were talks that uh, this past week that they did reach out to guys like Cobb and some of the other guys were Lance Lynn. Uh, but yet this is a situation as we sit here on February the 9th and there's really, I don't think rich, any kind of real, uh, pressing issue for the Orioles to go ahead and get anything done right away. looks like a lot of this is going to be done during spring training. If anything gets done. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, here, here it's February 10th and we're three days away from spring training. And I never in my wildest dreams thought that they would have gone, you know, three plus months in the off season without having signed a, signed a major league free agent. Right. Uh, you know, I never, you know, I, I never would have thought, I never would have thought that. Well, the, or- the, the Orioles aren't the only one in that situation. Now there's about seven, 15 well, teams. But, like that. you know, we're focused, you know, here, I mean, the fans, the fan, you know, the fans don't necessarily care that it's a, uh, you know, that it's an industry wide trend. They care about, you know, they care about what the Orioles are doing or not doing. Yeah, there's but, not an there's not okay, an awful lot. The bad lot. thing here is whoever, even if you sign a guy today, tomorrow, Monday, they're going to be behind. They're not going to have the they're not you know they're not going to really have the full spring training. Right. You know, and, and that's not great. You know, they twice the Orioles have in the last um, five years twice the Orioles have signed a pitcher, you know, in spring training, a starting pitcher in spring training, Yabaldo Jimenez and Yabani Gallardo. And neither of them worked out that year. You know, I mean, both of them had very rough, rough years. Now you could say, well, you know, that would have happened anyway, but I don't think a shortened spring training for a pitcher adjusting to a new team is, uh, you know, is certainly ideal. And I know Dan Duquette said at FanFest a couple of weeks ago, that as long as you sign guys by 
you know, March 1st and gave him, you know, four weeks to, to get in shape, that that was, you know, that, that that would be okay. But that still means, you know, we got maybe, um, we, we got maybe two weeks, uh, you know, before, uh, b- before they have to sign pitchers. That's still, you know, uh, that, 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 that still is not ideal. Rich, uh, there's no question that the Orioles aren't signing you, uh, you Darvish or Jake Arietta and Cobb and Lynn still seem like a real stretch, but what exactly do you get a sense? I wrote a piece yesterday. You know, I have a fondness for what R.A. Dickey could do for this team. I, I get that, that we're not reaching for the stars in this free agent market, but I still somehow there's been an awful lot of people that have sifted past them that I think could help them. Is it price point? Is it? Well, I think so. I mean, even go, even, you know, I think the guy that really shocked me uh, a few weeks ago is Miguel Gonzalez. Right. Because, you know, know, for the amount of money he signed for, I I thought that certainly the Orioles, uh, what did he get for? What did he get for? uh, You know, reached out to him because I thought what that, that was, uh, what did you know, get? that was a possible, you know, signing, but a lot of those guys who we're talking about are the same guys who we've been talking about, you know, all went, you know, all winter in, uh, Lance, you know, Lance Lynn and then, uh, Alex Cobb and, uh, Andrew Kashner and, uh, Jason Vargas. Uh, they, uh, you know, they, what, what did Miguel Gonzalez get? They really are get? not. Uh, they really are, are, you know, are still there. And can you, know, you hear me, we'll, Rich? Uh, you know, Rich, can you we'll, hear me at all? We'll see, but you know. can you hear me at all? Uh, well, we're having. We've been having uh, some. Uh, we've been having some breakup. The whole conversation. Here. Okay, I didn't realize but, that. Miguel Gonzalez. Yeah. What did he sign for with the White Sox? Like four point three. I think it was. In the $5 million range, $4.5 million range. Right. Uh, anyway, I wrote this piece the other day about R.A. Dickey. Yes, it was excellent. Excellent. Because, you know, I remember earlier, you know, in the offseason, you you uh, you asked me about uh, uh, R.A. Dickey, and I wrote, the, I wrote a piece on him. And, uh, you know, people – and at the time, he wasn't sure if he was going to play, and I guess that's still uh, – still the case i read so I, I don't know if uh you know if he has a lot of interest you know from other you know from other teams but he certainly would be you know one of those guys rosenthal who, uh, ken, you know who, who could help them i i would think ken rosenthal wrote a piece the other day in the athletic and he threw in a, a piece about dickie not a long piece but just said that he's look you know he's looking to play again that he you know but it's sort of logistically it's important. I mean, I think the Orioles have to be creative a little bit with the money. Maybe at 43 years of age, they do a couple favors and let him when he's not due to pitch, maybe go back to his family for a couple days or something like that. But the guy started 31 games last year, and in 22 of those games, he pitched six innings or more. The The Orioles had 77 starts from Tillman, Jimenez, and Miley and got 19 six inning starts. Yeah. Well, there certainly, you know, there certainly are a number of those pitchers yep. out there that can help him, and that's why, you know, I, that, that's why this whole thing's so perplexing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, catching wise, they did pick up that Andrew Susick uh, from the uh, Brewers in a small trade. Is that a battle for the third spot, or do you think Cisco is not 
on fir- terra firma of making the team. What what's your thought? There? Yeah, I, I think that the I think that the terra firma for uh, San Francisco at the end of March will be in Norfolk. Really? Uh, and not in Baltimore. I, I just think that they think that they'd like to see him, unless he shows otherwise in spring training. Right. I, but I think that they'd like to see him uh, improve, improve even more defensively. You know, he came, he came uh, quickly in uh, Norfolk, they, they believe, you know, uh, in the last two months of the AAA season. And then came to Baltimore, and the, the time in Baltimore helped. But uh, I think that they they want to see more. You know, they want to see more improvement from him. The good thing that he has going for him is that he's a left-handed hitter, and that would uh, you know, and that would help. Uh, but I think that uh, I I think that Susak right now would probably be uh, be the favorite to be the uh, the backup to Caleb Joseph to start the season. In terms of Caleb, what do you think uh, heading into this season? I know it's real tough to predict, but you, you saw a couple of years ago where he was coming off the injury and he didn't even drive in a run that year. Then next, the, the following year, last season, it, it appeared he got his stroke down a little bit better and was more of the offensive guy that I think a lot of people think he can be. Uh, but But is he... I don't want to say good enough because I I think he is good enough, but is he a guy that can handle say 110, 120 starts a year? Yeah, that, I mean that's that is a really interesting question, Craig. You know, one of the things that Buck Showalter likes to talk about with guys who were thrust into roles is you know some of those guys are are much better in the come to the rescue mode, right? You know that if they're you know if they're filling in because of injury for uh you know for a, a number one guy they uh they they do better but if they're expected to be that number one guy uh they don't you know Caleb has never been that number one guy the only you know the only time was really the first couple of months of uh 2015 when uh when Matt Weeders was, was still on the disabled list right. and, and and Joseph was the uh you know, Joseph was the lead dog. So I think that, you know, I think that's going to be interesting. But Caleb Joseph is still, you know, is still basically, uh, you know, a placeholder for Francisco because they want Francisco to be the number one catcher. And they and maybe, you know, if they think that a month or two in AAA, uh, you know, shoring him up defensively will get him there, then – I think that uh, you know. I, I think that Caleb will uh, you know then become you know then become the backup again. But I, I think that you know, I, and I think defensively they don't have any issues with him. Uh, and offensively, you know, they're they're hoping he can you know produce just as well as last year. I don't think for them. I don't think catching is going to be a big issue. There's so many other issues. Meaning starting pitching <laughs> yeah. that they have that I don't think catching's going to be a real big deal at all. Let me ask you this: Ryan Flaherty signs a minor league deal with the Phillies this week. Uh, happy, we're happy, for and we're Ryan. happy for him because he's one of the good guys and has been always in that clubhouse. Number one, number two, I, I always thought fans in this town really gave him. Uh, a bum shake in terms of what he provided and what Buck Showalter wanted him on this team for. Uh, but he goes up there. He's going to try to make that club. 
which I think is an up-and-coming club without question in the National League East, but pretty classy what he did by, by writing that letter to the fans of Baltimore. Where was that released? Was that released on Facebook or on Twitter? I saw I read it. On Twitter. It looked awfully long for Twitter. Yeah. Even with the new Well, no, it was a Twitter attachment. Okay. Twitter, yeah. It was really well, it was really well written and showed the kind of kid he is. But, but I think it speaks volumes to not just the kind of kid he is, but the fact that, and I think the fans need to kind of step back and take take a, a again a look and see, you know, with what the Orioles are doing right now and the kind of players that they have on their team. This guy was a pretty valuable asset for this team for a I, long time. I liked him. I liked him a lot on the team. Rich, uh, yeah, well, yeah, your thoughts? Well, you know, um, I mean, I have some personal feelings about Ryan, um, and uh, I, you know, I know. I know Ryan. I like Ryan an awful lot. Um, and I, you know, I, I, you're right. I think I, I think a lot of the fans just look at stats and they think, oh well, he's a 215 lifetime hitter. And it's certainly unusual what the Orioles did for did with him. I mean, how many times do you see a utility player stay with a, a team for six years? Mm-hmm. The first six years of his career. You usually see a utility player with a team for a year or two or maybe three, not for, um, not, not for six. But, you know, I think Ryan is at the stage of his life. I mean, he's 31 years old now, and he needs to have an opportunity to play more. And, you know, for the, when, he, when he's a backup to, to guys like, you know, Hardy and Machado and Scope and now Tim Beckham, well, you're not going to play a lot. And if he is going to, you know, if, if he is going to try and, you know, be a more regular player than playing someplace else. And I think playing in the National League when there are more, you know, there are yeah, more he's a value, opportunities he's a valuable and more opportunities pe- to be a, you know, to be, to be a defensive uh, uh, replacement, I think that that's an excellent move uh, professionally for him. Yeah, I think he becomes a much more valuable player in a in a on a National League setting. With double switches double and everything, switches yeah, yeah, and absolutely. everything. And I think Gabe Kapler will make good use of him. I'm glad that he's going to a place that that some of the players up there, and I'm not talking the on the field players. I'm talking about management like um, Ned Ned and uh, Matt Klintak. They're familiar with him a bit. You know, and I think Scott Scott. Well, actually, there, Klintak too. wasn't. Klintak wasn't. That's yeah. right. He had left for the. No, Angels. the only yeah. uh, because you know uh, only uh, only Ned Rice of the of yep. the people there um, was familiar with him because Matt Klintak left the Orioles uh, just before Mandy McPhail and and Matt Klintak left the Orioles just before Ryan was yeah. uh, Ryan but was you, drafted. But you know, Andy still lived in Baltimore for the first couple of years of uh, Duquette's reign here, and I'm sure he was uh, quite aware of how valuable Ryan was. And, and to I what think the Scott Profrock is still up there too. Yeah, I think. Yeah, Scott, I mean, he also had been, he'd been gone since like 2010, I think. Yeah. Right, right. Anyway, so, we're re- know, we're really happy for Ryan Flaherty. There's no yeah, question about. Well, before you know, we let. Gone, he, he was here, and now he's gone in the flash. Before, <laughs> before we let you go, uh, I know it's a, a this is a tough question, but if you were projecting right now, and the season starts March 29th, and we know barring injury, Bundy and Gosman are one and two, who do you think are three, four, and five? 
Well, I'm going to give you the same guys I, I gave you before. All right. Uh, number five, Miguel Castro. Okay. Number three, Chris Tillman, because I think that they'll sign him. Right. And number four, uh, you know, a free agent to be named later. Okay. One question I about still hold, to- you know, I still hold to that because nothing's changed from when you asked you when you asked before one small one small thing has changed and i'm wondering the injury to irvin santana which could keep him out of play for 10 or 12 weeks the twins have been one of the teams mildly attached that that they have interest in tillman is there any chance the orioles by how slow they're going with this end up losing tillman yes yeah of course um sure uh you know it's interesting the twins have reportedly been aggressive, mm-hmm. but, you know, they still haven't, uh, you know, you hear, well, they're you made a big offer to you, Darvish. They're thinking about Tillman. They're thinking about, right. you know, lots of people, yeah. but, you know, they haven't been, you know, they haven't been uh, all that, you know, that nothing really has really gotten done there either. So, all right. uh, you know, I, I think, yes, it's always a danger that, um, but if Tillman, you know, if, if Tillman has a firm offer from them and he says to the Orioles, I have a firm offer from them, I'm going to, you know, sign with them unless I, you know, unless you give me something now, well, maybe that changes things. All right, Rich Dubrov, safe travels down to Sarasota. We'll, we'll see if we can catch up with you at different times, but we understand your schedule changes. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Okay, thank you, guys. All right, Rich Dubrov, Pressbox, PressBoxOnline.com. We are going to take our first break of the morning. Pat Hughes, play-by-play voice of the Chicago Cubs, joins us. He's also got an incredible website that I think you should look at. It's called BaseballVoices.com. We'll talk to him about that as well. Coming to the Owings Mills Metro Center soon, Hammer and Nails Grooming Shop for Guys, where they offer hand and foot grooming, barbering, and straight razor shaves, all in a relaxed man cave nirvana. You get your own TV and remote, top-of-the-line noise-canceling headphones, and a complimentary beverage, all while you kick back in a seat that has been custom-crafted with your comfort being the number one priority. Trust me when I say this is a -a one-of-a-kind experience that will have you feeling like a modern-day king. That's Hammer and Nails Grooming Shop for guys coming soon to the Owings Mills Metro Center. Find out more by going to hammerandnailsgrooming.com. The Paracel Early Phase Unit at Harbor Hospital is looking for healthy males and females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study. Length of participation and number of visits vary by study. If you qualify, you may receive compensation ranging from $1,200 to $8,500 upon completion. For more information, please visit our website or call 1-877-617-8839. Call now. Trying to feed a crowd? Order Chick-fil-A catering online from our friend Steve at the Nottingham Square Chick-fil-A. Hot or cold, the scrumptious platters from Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square make throwing your party easy and affordable. Hot Chick-fil-A nuggets, grilled chicken, cool wraps, salad trays, and the chocolate chunk cookie tray. And Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square will deliver. Place your order now. Go to Chick-fil-A.com, choose the Nottingham Square store, and get your party started. It's delicious, and your house will smell out of this world. Don't forget the Chick-fil-A surprise. 
prize play of the game. Reheatable, bite-sized nuggets are sure to draw a crowd. And it's still cold outside. Slurp up the sizzling chicken tortilla soup or the soul-cheering chicken noodle soup at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. Get monumental President's Day savings right now at Jerry's Toyota. Save big at Jerry's with financing as low as 0% on over 400 new Toyotas in stock. Jerry's has unprecedented deals, like monthly payments as low as $129 a month on new Toyota RAV4s and Camrys. Plus, get huge savings on over 200 pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. And every new and used Toyota from Jerry's comes with their exclusive It's About You loyalty benefits. Do it. Visit Jerry's Toyota on Bel Air Road, just a couple blocks north of the Beltway, or online at jerrystoyota.com. All with approved credit. Sale ends 228-18. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KO from the Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to pressboxonline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash Sports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer, the the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, never. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College, college football. College football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football our children's futures start at a very young age and catholic schools prepare them for that future academic excellence with the belief that all students will succeed a balanced curriculum integrating music and arts foreign language and catholic faith while challenging students in the areas of science math and technology discover the catholic schools difference Please visit archbalt.org slash schools for more information. They say you're only as strong as the company you keep. The U.S. Army keeps you in strong company. If you want to stand out, the Army can give you the training you need. To take advantage of the strong options waiting for you, visit GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.goarmy.com slash impact. They're strong, then there's Army Strong, paid for by the United States Army. Well, we are back on the bat around Stan the Fan and Craig Heiston joining us from Chicago, Illinois. He's been kind enough to join us as the play-by-play voice of the Chicago Cubs, longtime play-by-play voice of the Chicago Cubs, Pat Hughes. Pat, thank you very much for being a part of the bat around this Saturday morning. Happy to be with you, Stan and Craig. It's uh, snowing here in Chicago, so I'm getting ready for opening day. How about you guys? <laughs> or, or at least you're ready for it by that. <laughs> when do you, when, first of all, when do you go down to Arizona out to surprise? I'm heading down. I think my first broadcast is scheduled for March the 3rd, so I think I'm going down the 1st. Uh, that's one good thing about being a veteran. They let you miss a few of the exhibition games. I've, I've covered a lot of Cactus League games in my, in my uh, career, and uh, I'm down to only four uh, requirements this year. Now, I can't speak for Craig Heist, my co-host, but my only experience in the minor leagues, I mean, excuse me, in exhibition, is in Florida, the Grapefruit League. Mm-hmm. What are the differences between 
Florida and Arizona. I know one of the main differences is the distance between ballparks. And that's the main difference. <laughs> yeah, that would seem to be the one. You're, you're really asking the wrong guy because I've never you covered never... a team in Florida. I've been going to Arizona every spring since 1984. So that's that's the only reference that I have. I'm sorry. Well, I would think that uh, in Arizona – you know, you know, with everybody and all the teams that train out there, kind of within an hour of each other. You're right. I think that makes it easy. Uh, you know, and and now with the Nationals being in West Palm Beach along with the Astros, you have basically those two teams and the Cardinals and Marlins within ten minutes of one another. Uh, the Mets up in St. Lucie, probably another twenty-five minutes away, uh, and then you know after that you have to go. Uh, the Tigers are in Lakeland, and everything else is on the west coast of Florida. You, you're right about Phoenix and the uh, the Mesa area. That's where the Cubs train. Uh, we are literally just within an hour of about 10 other Cactus League parks, so um, maybe even more than that. But um, it's, it's a great place to be. The weather is unbelievable in Arizona in March and early April, and it's it's always something that me and my family look forward to. Uh, the Cubs win, of course, the championship 2016, and we all know it's difficult to repeat. Uh, they struggle a little bit last year. They came on in the second half of the season and, and had a uh, finish strongly. Uh, but what's in store for Cubs fans this year, Pat? Well, I think the nucleus of the team, uh, Stan, is still very much intact. We have one of the best infields, one of the best everyday lineups of any team in baseball. And the infield, including the catcher, Wilson Contreras, is one of the best that I've ever seen when you consider Anthony Rizzo at first, Javier Baez at second, Addison Russell at shortstop, and Chris Bryant over at third. Uh, It's an amazingly talented bunch. They play great defense. Uh, They all have power. They can carry the team offensively for several days at a pop. Anthony Rizzo has driven in over 100, I believe, three straight years. Chris Bryant's been an MVP. Addison Russell hit uh, 25 homers and drove in over 90 a couple of years ago. But it's the defense that's special also. All four of those guys can pick it. And then I mentioned Wilson Contreras, the catcher. Um, He really blossomed a year ago into one of the best hitting catchers in all of baseball. And and the outfield is not bad either. We we think that Kyle Schwarber, who struggled a year ago, is going to bounce back. I think he will. We've got a great young defensive center fielder in Albert Almora Jr. Jason Hayward has won multiple gold gloves in right. And there's a kid by the name of Ian Happ, H-A-P-P. Keep that name in mind. He hit 24 home runs last season and had only 364 at-bats as a rookie and he's only about 22 years old but he's a switch hitter the ball just jumps off his bat Um, and and we also got Ben Zobrist who's an excellent everyday player so we like our lineup very much pitching is always paramount in big league ball and um, that's one area I think the Cubs are going to try to improve upon between now and opening day time will tell um, but we like we like the staff, even if the Cubs do not make any acquisitions. You know, you got rotation of John Lester and Kyle Hendricks and Jose Quintana. Tyler Chatwood was signed as a free agent from 
Colorado. Uh, the bullpen has been strengthened with the addition of Brandon Morrow, even though the Cubs did lose Wade Davis to Colorado in free agency. Steve Ciszek has signed with the team. Uh, it's a good, strong bullpen, um, but I do think the Cubs are going to try to acquire one more starting pitcher between now and opening day. I say this totally tongue-in-cheek. Is Chris Bryant still looking for respect? <laughs> I'm sorry, is he still looking for what? Respect. <laughs> you know, I don't I'm have good hearing, and this is not a strong connection. I. There you go. Uh, no, I said, is Chris Bryant still looking for respect? Uh, I think. Do you mean maybe Anthony Rizzo? Respect me. I'm sorry. Yes, Anthony yeah, Rizzo. Yeah, that's it. Threw me off there. Um, yeah, that was just kind of one of those heat of the moment things that a guy says, and he's all fired up, and the crowd was going crazy. And uh, ironically, he only had one hit after 25. Let's see, one hit in 25 at bats from that point until the end of the postseason. But most of the Cubs hitters struggled against the Dodgers in the NLCS. You know, it was not a it was it was not a bad year at all for the Cubs. Uh, everyone says, "Boy, you guys really struggled," and you know, you had that hangover from the World Series. If you take last year just on its own merits, the Cubs were a 92-win team. They were a division champion. They beat a very good Washington team in the opening round of the playoffs, and then they lost in the NLCS to the Dodgers. Uh, that is not a bad year, uh, in, and the Cubs have been in the NLCS now for three consecutive years. Um, I think most teams would take 92 wins darn near every year, don't you guys? Absolutely. I mean, I think one of the great things about being an Oriole fan uh, in this town is they were the winningest franchise in baseball from, I think, 1961 through 84. And one of the things you could always count on with an Earl Weaver team was the fact that he was always going to have this team in contention. And I think that comes when when you go through 14 straight losing years, that's how how much you find out how spoiled you really were <laughs> after having all that success. And and you know what's also interesting? The best teams don't always win in October. The best teams do always make the playoffs over the course of 162. But that's one of the mysteries of the game of baseball. Literally anything can happen in a game or a short series. But when you start stretching it out day after day, the best teams always make it to the postseason. Yep. But then, I mean, look at all those great teams that the Atlanta Braves had. What did they win? 14, 14 straight division titles. And only one World Series, yeah. There you go. That's, that's my argument right there. Uh, the best team does not always win. Uh, luck plays a role. Uh, if more of your line drives are caught and more of the other guys' bloopers fall in, you're going to lose. We're talking with Pat Hughes, play-by-play voice of the Chicago Cubs. Pat, I want to talk about BaseballVoices.com in just a minute, but I did have a couple other questions for you. Um, it seemed almost like too perfect a setup that Alex Cobb would be a Chicago Cub. His ex-manager is in Chicago, and now his ex-pitching coach is in Chicago. Do you still think that that's a high likelihood, or do you think that they really uh, much prefer Darvish or Arietta back in Chicago? Well, that's, uh, th- that's not up to me. Uh, <laughs> Theo Epstein is a, a future Hall of Fame executive, and that's his decision. And I would never try to tell him or even assume what he is thinking. I would never tell him what to do or any, anything like that. So I don't really know, uh, to be very honest with you. Um, I do feel like the Cubs, and I've had this feeling, 
uh, ever since the free agent season began. I have had the feeling that the Cubs will get one of those three guys, mm -hmm. whether it's Cobb, Darvish, or Arietta. Uh, I would say the likelihood would be in the 70 to 75 percent range that they will get one of the three teams. But again, that's not me consulting or, or I... talking with Theo or anybody on the staff. That's just a personal feeling that I have. Now, my other question before we talk a little bit about BaseballVoices.com is Craig Heiss covers both the Baltimore Orioles and the Washington Nationals. What's he in store for covering Dave Martinez, the new manager of the Washington Nationals? He's a tremendous guy. He was Joe Madden's right-hand man. He was the bench coach. Uh, very, very smart. Uh, great people skills. I enjoy Dave very, very much. I think he's going to be an excellent manager. But um, this will be his first go-around at the big league level managing. Uh, he has learned from one of the best in Joe Madden. Uh, they are very close, and I'm sure they'll remain so, except when they're competing against each other, maybe even in the playoffs. <laughs> but um, uh, he, he had a good long career as a player. Um, he played with many different organizations, so he played for many different managers. He has a lot of frames of reference regarding how to manage teams. But I think, uh, uh, like with so many cases, I think it comes down to having good ball players on your side. If, if, if you have a lot of good players, you're going to win a lot of games. There's only so much that a manager can do, as you guys both know. Yeah, absolutely. How much do you think being around Madden, uh, especially during the championship year uh, with the Cubs, and then going through that playoff series against the Nats last year, how, how much do you think that kind of helps him? Because he's walking into a situation, like you said, first major league managerial job, but this is not too much unlike, you know, a, a lot of guys that have stepped into this with a, a club that's already built to win. Yeah, Aaron Boone's another guy with the Yankees. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, uh, he's inheriting – uh, John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge, and, and um, he's going to slot other guys in the lineup around those two big sluggers. But, um, you, you know, it's it, 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 certainly that the Nationals would seem to be favored going into this year. Uh, they still have a, a great nucleus of a ball club. Um, but I, I think Dave Martinez, again, if they stay healthy, uh, Dave is going to be fine. He's going to make smart decisions. He knows the game. He understands pitching staffs and when to make changes. Uh, he also, I think, learned from Joe the, the people skills that are very necessary uh, in big league ball today. You can't just treat everyone the same. Some guys need to be uh, kind of uh, uh, handled with kid gloves. Some guys need to, you know, maybe give them a little shove every once in a while. You have to handle every guy a little bit differently. But I think one thing that... Um, that, that Joe has is, is superior people skills, and I think that might be the main thing that Dave Martinez uh, inherited from Joe. Well, it was interesting to see how the Nationals handled all that because, you know, we were down to game five last year where Mike Rizzo's telling everybody that they're really, you know, ta in talks with Dusty and looks like a long-term deal is going to – or an extension is going to get done. Right. And then all of a sudden they lose that fifth game, and a couple days later the entire, uh, the entire tune kind of changed from – well, just making the playoffs isn't good enough. Now we have to win the World Series. And, and I mean, that's the goal of every team. 
But again, Dave Martinez or not, there are no guarantees, as we all know, because like you said, uh, baseball is kind of a different animal when you get to the postseason. Well, it really is. I mean, that last game, game five, the one you mentioned, Craig, that could have gone either way. Yeah. It had so many crazy twists and turns, and that, that inning that the Cubs had against Max Scherzer, uh, where they scored four runs, and there might have been one ball hit hard in the entire inning. It was crazy. Uh, it was crazy. He got the first two, probably the two toughest hitters in that lineup out, and then before you know it, there's a, a misplay, a bloop, and before you know it, there's four runs on the board. There were wild pitches. There was yeah. a catcher's interference. There was a throwing error on a strikeout. I mean, just one bizarre play after another, and that's really one of the great things about baseball. It's one of the things that, that makes you love the game because you never really know what will happen, but when it happens good for your team, it's crazy exciting. The game can be frustrating. You feel like tearing your hair out when it goes against your club, but that's you know that's the nature of the game, and um, it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I would never try to predict ever what's going to happen in baseball. In fact, I was thinking just this morning, reading uh, there was an article about the Cubs in the morning paper, and I was thinking all of these statements that are made in January and February. Uh, that's great, you know. People talk and they say whatever they were, whatever they want to say. But so many things will happen over the course of the long baseball season that you never could anticipate. There will be injuries. There will be older players who you think will still be good, but they're going to fall off and not be the same guy that they have been. There are going to be young guys that you're not even thinking about right now. They are going to burst up on the scene and have a tremendously favorable effect on their ball club. There are going to be slumps. There are going to be red-hot pitchers. There's going to be guys that have career years that you never can anticipate right now. There's going to be some guy who's never won more than 10 games. He's going to win close to 20. And there's going to be some hitter who's never had a big year. He's going to hit 330. That's part of the beauty and the really the uh, unpredictability of the game of baseball. Well, one of the beautiful things about the game of baseball is listening to it on the radio over the years and you have a website called BaseballVoices.com. You've got, by my way of thinking, you've got 14 Hall of Fame broadcasters. You've put CDs together with uh, some of their most famous calls. Um, and uh, I'm talking about people like Denny Matthews, Dave Niehaus, Harry Callis, Russ Hodges, Lon Simmons, the great Harry Carey, Milo Hamilton, Marty Brenneman, Jack Buck, and, of course, Mel Allen, Red Barber, Chuck Thompson uh, here in Baltimore. Um, tell us a little bit about that website. Well, like you said, Stan, and thank you, um, it's called BaseballVoices.com. These are simply commemorative audio tributes to baseball's greatest announcers. You mentioned Chuck Thompson, and they're in the Baltimore and Washington area uh, he, it's been a very popular CD. In fact, what we're going to do today, right. I'm going to give away some free CDs. Uh, for everyone who orders a Baseball Voices CD today, I'm going to throw in either a Mel Allen or a Milo Hamilton on the house. So free CDs with every order. Um, so if, if you want to order a Chuck Thompson, just put down either Mel Allen or Milo Hamilton in the area uh, when you're checking out. So, so you're we're going to some free CDs away with every single order. Go to BaseballVoices.com. 
the Chuck Thompson CD, and I love Chuck. I when I broke into the big leagues in 1983 as an announcer, he was doing the television for the Orioles with Brooks Robinson, and he treated me with great friendship and kindness always. I loved him, and I do think Chuck is absolutely one of the very best radio baseball play-by-play men ever. I love his voice. Uh, he had that style. He could talk so quickly and yet clearly. Uh, and he covered all the games of Brooks Robinson and, and Frank and Dave McNally. And and uh, he was there still when Cal Ripken Jr. became a, a great star. So, you know, we have all the highlights, the biggest moments of Chuck's career. Of course, he was the voice of the Baltimore Colts as well. We've got some of his Hall of Fame speech, some of his... Uh, uh, other interviews that he's done over the years. Uh, one of the first few tracks is the 1966 World Series, which for veteran Oriole fans was very special. That was their first World Series title when they swept the Dodgers in four straight. All kinds of highlights from Chuck Thompson at BaseballVoices.com. And again, that special offer is good only today because by the way, this is on Facebook Live. Somebody could look at this 10 days from now and say, oh, they're offering make the, this offer is only good on February 10th. Uh, again, you buy one CD at BaseballVoices.com, and and uh, Pat Hughes is going to bonus you either the Red Barber or the Mel Allen CD. No, either either Milo Hamilton. Milo or Hamilton. Mel I'm Allen. sorry, Mel That's Allen. Okay. Or Milo you Hamilton. know what? If you want Red Barber, we I'm can. I'm sorry. <laughs> we can <laughs> I don't include make that it... in in the choices too. Yeah, but you know, Milo... you know what, Stan? I'd I'd like to keep this offer open for a few days. All right, no, we'll let it go for a few days. It doesn't right. have to be today. All right. Well, you know, Milo, uh, and a lot of people forget this, but Milo was behind a. The mic when Hank Aaron hit uh, uh, seven fourteen. Yeah. yeah. Well, the the CD is called A Call for the Ages. And and that's what he made. And and I interviewed Milo, and he talks about it, and he had all kinds of great memories of it. And he talked about uh, uh, being a little bit nervous, but uh, he said, as a veteran play-by-play man, you just have to step up and make that call. And and uh, he he was a, he was a friend of mine. I, I enjoyed Milo very much. He and uh, the Astros and Cubs were in the same division for many years, so I spent a lot of time with him. Last question before we let you go, because we got to move on to another guest, and I really appreciate your time, Pat. Before BaseballVoices.com and you came up with this idea, was anybody else really putting these things together to, to, to keep alive these no. great voices of the game? Not to my knowledge, and the the reason, that's a good question, uh, Stan, because uh, being in my business, and I'm sure you guys appreciate this too, people want free publicity. Yep. So they would send you books and CDs and DVDs and all kinds of other things that they want you to discuss on the air or as a writer in one of your columns. Sure. And so I would get these things, and I would listen to these, these tributes, and I would think, well, that's good, but... It's not really produced by a guy who's ever done any announcing. Mm-hmm. So there, there, were, there were gaps, and there were missing things, and there were mistakes, and, and there were things that, that he was not emphasizing, or he was emphasizing the wrong things. And I thought, let me try to do that and see how I can do. Now, they're a ton of work. They are an unbelievable amount of work for each one. The detail uh, you, would, you would appreciate only if you buy one. But, you know, you have to read everything. You have to go back over a guy's career. Take Chuck Thompson, for example. You think of 
the big plays, uh, the great teams, the great ball players. Um, Brooks Robinson's 2,000th hit was a home run. I found that and put that on the CD. Uh, then you think of his, uh, his background, uh, his first broadcast assignments, some of his partners. So there's a lot of detail on these things, but to my knowledge, nobody ever did it before. Um, well, again, I, I, I did it, started it about 2005, and I've been putting out one or two per year every year since. And I, lo- I love doing it. I really do. And I think you're doing a great service to the game of baseball and to baseball fans. Uh, we've got to run because we're running late for a guest. Uh, but I'd love to have you on again. Good luck with the offer again. If you order any one of the CDs at BaseballVoices.com, our friend Pat Hughes is going to throw in either a Red Barber or a Milo Hamilton, not a Red Barber, a Mel Allen or a Milo Hamilton CD free of charge to you as a bonus. Pat, you know what, Stan? I think I should send you a Red Barber CD. All right. I'd, I'd sit in the catbird seat. There you go. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you, talking to you is always sitting in the catbird seat. You're a fine gentleman. Always appreciate whenever I call you, you return the call. You're a good man, Pat Hughes. Well, happy to be with you, Stan and Craig, and uh, enjoy the rest of this offseason. Pitchers and catchers report in about three days. Well, Pat, right. we'll see you at the end of September. Actually, uh, about the 6th of September, because that's how long it takes before the Cubs, Cubs come, come to, to D.C. Yeah. All right. Is that right? Think yeah. of all the games that we'll play between now and then. All right. All right. Hey, thank you, Pat. Appreciate okay, guys. it. All right. There Bye-bye. you have it. Pat Hughes, great offer there, by the way. And, and seriously, it's fascinating to me that nobody had ta- – it is a monumental task what he must oh, go no through question. to listen to these things. But, again, the broadcasters that he's got CDs on are Mel Allen, Red Barber, Marty Brenneman, Jack Buck, Harry Carey, Milo Hamilton, Russ Hodges and Lon Simmons on the same one, Harry Callis, Denny Matthews, Dave Niehaus, Bob Prince, Ron Santo, Chuck Thompson – and Bob Euchre, and if you buy any one of them, he's going to bonus you one free of charge, either Milo Hamilton or Mel Allen. Baseballvoices.com. I think it's great because I think one of the things we run across all the time is, especially to younger people who are in our business, is just the amount of not knowing the history of the game. Yeah. And this helps you do that. Yeah. You know, the question I wanted to ask him, and our guest Lee Lowenfish joins us now, and Lee... Uh, appreciate your coming on as always. Always nice to be with you, Stan. We just had Pat Hughes on, and I'm not sure if you know him, the play-by-play voice. Oh, he's done some great history work, too, with those tapes of old announcers. I have never met him, but he's done great work. He's a wonderful, wonderful guy. He was just a guest on the show, and he offered anybody that goes to BaseballVoices.com and purchases any one of those CDs, he's going to bonus them a second one, either a Mel Allen or a Milo Hamilton, free of charge. But I, but the point that I was, and again, that seat, that address is baseballvoices.com on the Internet. But I wonder today if, and I wanted to ask him this, but I was running late for you, but I'll ask you because you're a baseball historian and a huge baseball fan if you listen back to Bob Prince or or Chuck Thompson, the difference you would hear broadcasting baseball 40 years ago to broadcasting it today. What well, do you think well, the biggest huge. difference would be? 
you know, in in fairness to the guys today, and yeah. I, you know, at seventy five, I hate to be, you know, somebody saying the good old days were always better. I heard right. Frank Howard at a Saber meeting say there's nothing worse or or useless than an old guy complaining about the past. And the one, I mean, uh, complaining about the, the present. present right. But the but one thing I will say is that Prince and Thompson and Allen and Barber, they didn't have to do. Geico commercials right. in the middle of every game, and it, it, it's incredible. I mean, I, yeah. you you can't you can't uh, listen to a game without commercial interruptions in the middle of the play. Yeah, you know, saying that you know the the difference obviously is that money dictates all the news, mm-hmm. and and uh, there isn't a a leisurely love of the game in these in these newer announcers and to get a job you have to have a signature home run call mm-hmm. and uh, when, when Alan you know bye bye uh, you know Russ Hodges bye bye baby and uh, going going gone for Mel Allen that came kind of naturally you know out mm-hmm. of the the flow of the leisurely and yet tense game of baseball and and the young people today have grown up in a different world and uh, and uh, it, it's it's rare that they that somebody with that sense of the leisurely past in baseball get gets a job in, in, in today's world. You know, the other thing, you, you make a great point that it interferes sometimes with the, the, the actual play-by-play that they're in the middle of doing a, a commercial read. But the other thing it does, and, and I, th- I think I've heard it many, many times, is just it takes away the ability to tell stories. I don't right. even think today's announcers – really want to get homespun because they don't want to be in the middle of a story when some producer is handing them something that's got to pay the bills. That's right, and they're yeah. also handing them or putting in their, their headpiece all the latest stats from yeah. all these new websites, you know, yeah. and, and and that that uh, really uh, uh, hurts the storytelling aspect. And see, the great thing about baseball, while it, and I think it's the reason we'll always have it, is that because there are no helmets like football, uh, you you do look. The camera does look into the eyes of the players, and you you can see you can see fear. You can see a real poker face. You can see a fake poker face, and. And and that's the uh, the joy of being a good announcer to 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 say that with some discretion. I mean, how about me using the word discretion yeah. on February tenth, twenty eighteen, where anything seems to go. Well, but, I think, but, I, you, you know, but I'm I'm glad I made the point because uh, I call myself a lively dinosaur, and I want to stress <laughs> the lively. Well, I think one of the great things about. Uh, some of the older announcers is the fact that uh, you, you get a different kind of play-by-play. And I always heard John Miller talk about painting that picture for the fan who driving in his car, just sitting home listening on the radio. And I think Chuck Thompson was one of the absolute best at doing that. To where a ground ball was hit, he would say glove side or, you know, you know right side, backhand that side. backhand side. Uh, doing football, he was always, you know, left to right. Uh, the team is moving this way. Uh, you know, I formation. So, but so and so's the up back. So, you know, he painted that total picture for the fan. That's right, and in the moment, and that is the hardest thing to do. To to you know, when you're tuning in, I mean, you know, it's live. Uh, the good radio man makes you 
feel like you're there. And But to call it as it's actually happening is a very rare skill. And I agree, Thompson was just about the best. You know, there's a, there's a fly to left field that's got a chance, you know, and it, it's uh, – uh, and, and I wouldn't even say fly. It'd be a well-struck ball. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, uh, it's, it should be uh, uh, rejoiced because it's, uh, it, it's very rare. Hey, we had you on, Lee Lowenfish, about a month ago, and we got into it a little bit, but I did not know a month ago we were in the midst of such a, uh, an ominous time in the labor history of Major League Baseball. Uh, I know this basic agreement has three more years to go. Uh, I know that a lot of players are making a lot of money, but the system suddenly seems broken in a way, and I wanted to get your take, again, as the author of The Imperfect Diamond that looked at the history of labor relations of baseball from 1879 to 1990. What year did Imperfect Diamond come out? Well, Imperfect Diamond came out in 1980, that's it what I thought. Out, I it just came out in 1981. Right. Uh, we actually thought we had timed the book. My collaborator in the first edition, the late Tony Lupian, who had played for Boston and the Phillies, and then had coached Dartmouth, had coached Jim Beatty, among other people, Pete Broberg at Dartmouth. We we thought that the strike was happening in 1980, but they 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 reached an agreement that that took out every issue except the compensation for free agents, which ultimately led to the strike in 81. But the book's been out. It's, it's, it's in a third edition now. And, well, that's uh, what I must have read something that was that was explaining it because it said that it, it dealt with 1879 to 1990, and I thought the first edition had come out in the early 80s. Um, right, and the third the third edition came out after my Branch Rickey book from the same publisher in uh, 2010, the University of Nebraska Press, and it, it's still in print. And it's it's I, I, you know ominous, maybe a, li- a little bit of a strong adjective, but I certainly, if you are an unsigned player right now who thought you were going to get tens of millions of dollars, you're not you're not feeling great. No. And you know the uh, other thing that. I, before I knew I was going to be on with you today, I was going online, and there's no baseball news right now. You know, I mean, right. even on MLB.com, there's no there's no story about a prospective signing. Right. And and you know, this has always been a uh, uh, in, in the history of baseball going back to the 19th century. It, it's had this element where we <laughs> we knock our players, even though people come to see the players. Not the owners, and, and and you know the absence of news now. If this continues, is not going to be a very good thing for for the general state of the sport. But saying that, I understand. Uh, I'm actually somewhat sympathetic to the to match the management on this issue because uh, there's no way if, if Eric Hosmer, you know, wants eight years instead of seven. Uh, well, let him, and and the same I think for J.D. Martinez. Right. Well, all right, sit out. I right. Mean, I, that's I their mean, that's their right to do. It. Sympathy for yeah. these people. Yeah. Uh, the reason I use the word ominous really boils down to two people in this, and it's Rob Manfred, and it's Tony Clark. Just like in pro football, I don't think Demaris Smith has ever developed a relationship with. Uh, Roger Goodell, nor has Roger Goodell seemed to attempt to develop one with him. Uh, you, you, you. Sometimes in these labor negotiations, 
It's about the personal relationships between people. And without Michael Weiner there, who passed away, I think Tony Clark has probably done about as poor a job at portraying his side of things in negotiations as anybody in the history of the labor war. Well, certainly in the history, and I know personally, having tried to do a book with Marvin Miller, that the relations between Miller and Kuhn were horrible. Uh, were were awful. Yeah, and that that did as much to to poison the relationships as a- anything. And you know, in some ways, it, it's it, the there's a, what we're seeing today. You know, there are very few players who are quoted who are in, actually involved with the. Uh, uh, with the negotiation, the the one I did see quoted was Andrew Miller, and Andrew Miller was saying he hopes this never comes to a strike. And you know, Miller is is uh, I've not met him, but everything about Miller uh, indicates that the, he's a classy guy who was traded about three or four times. And 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 he's ways, not a de- I, I he's not a descendant of Marvin Miller, by the no, way. That's I want to make sure. that clear. Which is which is interesting because Mike Shallon was on his show last week and he told Stan and myself, he says, Look, he says, Marvin Miller's not walking through the door anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> that's right. And and I think you 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 your point's very well taken, Stan, that the death of Michael Weiner, uh is uh has been a big uh, terrible a big, blow to the game. Yeah. yeah, because you know, he he and Manfred had worked something out. But you, you know, the the thing, thing some things have never have never changed with owners that the uh they they want to pay the least for for the best productivity, you know. And you see the other part in terms of the personality, I mean one time uh uh, uh, Boris was said that you know his hero is Marvin Miller because Miller always knew that one owner would break, and right. then all the others would uh, you know would have to live up to it. And I said on this show I think a month ago, Stan, that one of the biggest goofs on the management side was when when somehow they allowed free agent salaries be a, to be applied for arbitration. Arbitration. I've always you know, said. And, arbitration. and now the goof on on the players' side. Is that you know once they allowed this uh, 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 on the amateur free agent side that they allowed the owners to have a pool to restrict the amount of bonus to to the amateurs well and they also allowed the the owners to take away uh, the advantages that the small market teams had with the with the profit sharing you know. And once that happened, I mean that those are the roots for what we're seeing now, and and but there's no way a collusion case is going to get anywhere because first of all it takes a long time, and second, you know the the Brewers, <laughs> the contract they gave to Lorenzo Cain, it certainly proves there's not there's not there's you know, no collusion wide collusion. So you know yeah for for the uninitiated Lee, could you talk a little bit because I've heard you, I've heard Jim Bowden talk about it. And they're very dismissive of of the use of that term collusion this time. What has to be taking place for it to be a case of collusion as opposed to what's taking place today, which is just a slow market? Well, you see, what happened was that Uberoff's mistake when in his brief time as commissioner was that he put into writing when they got together when when collusion started, and he put it in writing – that you know, you know, what if we made no bids to these people? Uh, 
well, that that the arbitrator twice, two different cases, said that uh, you know that's against the whole spirit of collective bargaining. Uh, now, as I, ma- I mentioned with the case of of, of both uh, Lorenzo Cain with the Brewers and Wade Davis with the Rockies. I mean, you can't say this is industry-wide. But collusion is, you know, is a very tricky term. I mean, if you're following what's happening with the White House, you know, the collusion there with Russia uh, is, uh, and people working with Russia is very, very hard to, to pin down. And, I, you know, I hate to begin or end any discussion by saying I'm not a lawyer, but I am not a lawyer, so I hope this shed a little light. I mean, the main thing is you don't put it in writing that you're not you're going to uh, violate a, uh, a a collective bargaining agreement, which has very high uh, potency in in our legal system. Well, Lee, let me ask you this then: When do you here we sit on February 10th, and as spring training pitchers and catchers, everybody reports kind of this week, and then the position players are in uh, toward the end of this week, beginning of next week. And, and as you go through spring training, how long do you think it's going to take for some of this to break open for, for, for players? Well, I've read, and again, it wasn't a big story, but I try to scour all the, the back pages. On Tuesday, the Players Association is opening a, a camp for the unsigned yeah. free agents in Bradenton. And, you know, it brings back reminiscences of the, the camp for the players during the, when the strike was still going on in 1995. Now, what I'm reading is that somebody like J.D. Martinez or Arietta, uh, they're, they're willing to hold out until, uh, until the, uh, uh, the season begins. So, I mean, it, it, it's going to probably be a, a, a case-by-case uh, uh, situation. So, I, mean, I have no crystal ball on this, but it, uh, it, it, it could be a Pyrrhic victory for the owners, just like when they stuck together to, to force the 94 strike. So, uh, I mean, there'll be a break soon, I think, but uh, uh, I, I can't, I have no inside information to say, mm-hmm. you know, when it will be. Like, you know, somebody, I'm sure it was an agent who knows a writer, said that Lance Lynn might get three years from the Orioles, but uh, the, the, that seems to have just been, you know, a smoke. So, Lee, um, by my count yesterday, and I forgot, I must have read it somewhere, but there, there are basically 22 guys that I think will probably be signed in the next two weeks. But there's about 85 after that that are guys like Matt Holliday, John Lackey, J.J. Hardy that are on the backside of the career with maybe one or two years potentially left that look like they could just get swept away and suddenly be out of the game because, you know, they're not going to take $800,000 to a million point two contracts. Well, there are injury issues with both Holiday and Hardy, who um, uh, I wish we had given Hardy more of a send-off than we did, but those who were at that home game when he got the big hit. And- yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, he deserved that. I mean, one of the most underrated players I, I've ever seen, and, and re- a real Oriole. Uh, but you know, in, in a way, this is nothing startling. It, you know, this has been going on for quite a while. That, and you know, one of the the agents, and I'll name him, 
by name, you know, the Levinson brothers are talking about baseball has become like the movie industry. There are stars and then there are extras. And, you know, this has been going on in baseball, you know, a lot of because that they had this labor union, which was very successful, you know, on the steel workers model that, that Marvin Miller brought in, you, 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 you have seniority. And so guys who have six years They'll be a free agent, or they'll just they'll be a free agent both in a bidding sense or in a in a release sense, and this is what you're having. And and so what's happening with the ones you mentioned and maybe 20 others has been going on for a long time. A lot, um, you, you know. Once you reach a, a point uh, of seniority, you're either going to get the big raise or you're going to be cut. And I wish I've said it before. I wish that that free agency would be earlier and they um, somehow tune out arbitration, salary arbitration. Not, I mean, the grievance arbitration remains extremely important, you know. But uh, but the thing is that you know we know we're going to have a baseball season, and and so that's good. But I think the number of really contending teams are not going to be as uh, as uh, as many as we've seen in recent years. And I think what, what man Manfred has allowed Jeter and Bruce Sherman to do in, in Miami is terrible. It's terrible. just, and, and it's, uh, and you know, if, there's no reason if you're in Miami to go to a game. Yeah. I, I found that, uh, Derek Jeter's conduct down there has bordered on, uh, you know, from the insensitive to just uh, arrogant beyond belief, he's attempting to patch it up. He appeared at some media, uh, some luncheon, a business luncheon there. He's claiming they're getting tremendous support in the business community there. That's really hard to imagine right now. And That's I, right. In fact, it, what seems more likely is that you know when when he got the team and Man Manfred bent over backwards to see that he got the team instead of the local man, the Cuban exile who's been there for decades uh i've heard that they were asking for more partners immediately so it's uh it's really a just about an ugly situation down there um one player that you didn't mention and i don't know if craig's read it and i'm having some internet problems this morning Braden moss uh, who's now back with the Oakland A's. Brandon. Brandon, Brandon Moss was was on with uh, Matt Verscursion and Harold Reynolds the other day, and he really let the players and the players' union have it uh, for for this is a problem that he put at their door, that they let the, uh, the luxury tax, you know, threshold change. They let the compensation change uh, when you sign free agents, and now includes international money and draft picks, um, you know, that, that this is, this should have been foreseen and it's them that did a bad job at negotiating. That's why I think he's absolutely right. And we, again, the, you know, the loss of Michael Weiner is a big, is a big factor in that. Plus the fact that he and he and Manfred had, had a good, good relationship. And, and, you know, you know, I mentioned Miller before Andrew Miller, the other three people who got their names in the papers being on a committee were Paul Goldschmidt, who has the big deal from Arizona, and from everything I've heard, right. is really quality, you know, both off the field and on the field. And then, then we get to the other two, Daniel Murphy, who is, I guess, will be a free agent at the end of the year, 
and uh, and the the one that that really raised my arrow. uh, eyebrows is, yeah. is Matt Harvey being on the committee. I mean, Matt Harvey, the poster boy, right. the anti-jeter in terms of how yeah. he he handled being a big star in New York. Yeah. You know, so. so so let me get in the history, the modern history, and I know your book goes way back, but but in modern history, I remember remember Richard Ravitch. Oh would, sure, and. and how abrasive he was on the side of, of Major League Baseball's ownership. Um, if Tony Clark is doing as bad a job as some think and maybe comparing him to Ravitch on that side, in other words, we've never seen the players break ranks with who their leader was. Marvin Miller had them marching in lockstep. Donald Fear had them uh, in lockstep. Michael Weiner. But Tony Clark, I think, has a chance to really get splintered support. Could we see a, a change in that over the next couple of years? Conceivably. And, you know, I, I don't want to dump too much on Clark. I mean, because, I mean, as a player and, and, you know, as a spokesman, I mean, he's a very eloquent guy. But clearly the, uh, the, the, the long history of being able – to uh, get the players to divide and conquer the players mm-hmm. has been uh, is built in, into the DNA of the sport. Right. Know? So, uh, and I, I know that people who don't know baseball are surprised at this. But, but you know, if if Imperfect Diamonds available from my website, theloanfish dot com, and I also think- through the university. Of uh, Nebraska Press and Amazon.com, you'll get you'll get a sense I, of how of how deep the uh, this, this battle this labor war is. And you know, Faye Vincent, who succeeded Giamatti, was tried to you know to be a peacemaker and right. and, and said you know what one of the fascinating things about Vincent is that he he uh, he never negotiated with Marvin Miller. He met him after he was mm-hmm. retired, but he sang his praises and of course. You don't do that uh, uh, in 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 the owners uh, 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 if you're representing the owners. So it's uh, I I think you're right. I think Clark might be replaced, but but you know it's a bad deal they got. Well, in the past the owners got a bad deal, and and I guess I'll end with what I said at the beginning. I mean I'm just not. Uh, I mean Boris is trying to be in the case of Hosmer and Martinez the. Uh, 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 you know, to get somebody to cave sooner or later, and and I believe, and I don't. I'm just saying this because I haven't proven it, but I believe in the NBA agreement. The uh, there's a limit to five years in a contract, uh, and I certainly would, if I were running a team, I would not give anybody more than three years, and, and pitchers right. certainly maybe less, Lee, because we- it's just human nature. I mean, if you have a job at that amount of salary. Uh, uh, you, you're going to just the, the the hunger ain't going to be there, you know. Lee, well I mean, said. They'll stay there's hunger, but you know that great line that I didn't believe when Jack Dunn told me it when I was doing the imperfect diamond research. You know, it's hard to get up early in the morning when you're wearing silk pajamas. That is, 
that's true. Truer today than ever. Lee, we really appreciate it. Great insights as always, and we will talk soon down the road, all right? Oh, absolutely. All right. Always nice to be with you. Could be time for Imperfect Diamond 4, Edition 4. (laughs) No, no. I'm telling you that now, no. All right. Thanks again. Really appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. We're going to take a time out. When we get back, we'll join Michael Gibbons of the Babe Ruth Museum. Uh, and uh, talk about the Mount Rushmore of Maryland sports. Coming to the Owings Mills Metro Center soon, Hammer and Nails Grooming Shop for Guys, where they offer hand and foot grooming, barbering, and straight razor shaves, all in a relaxed man cave nirvana. You get your own TV and remote, top-of-the-line noise-canceling headphones, and a complimentary beverage, all while you kick back in a seat that has been custom-crafted with your comfort being the number one priority. Trust me when I say this is a -a one-of-a-kind experience that will have you feeling like a modern-day king. That's Hammer and Nails Grooming Shop for guys coming soon to the Owings Mills Metro Center. Find out more by going to hammerandnailsgrooming.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. For the first time ever, it's our best of Baltimore sports double issue as we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the last 12 months, including the announcement of our first ever local sports person of the year. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Our children's futures start at a very young age, and Catholic schools prepare them for that future. Academic excellence with the belief that all students will succeed. A balanced curriculum integrating music and arts, foreign language, and Catholic faith, while challenging students in the areas of science, math, and technology. Discover the Catholic school's difference. Please visit archbalt.org slash schools for more information. This week on Section 336, we're joined by a minor league pitcher, also happens to be a former student of mine, to ask all the dumb questions that we're too afraid to ask anyone else about being a professional baseball player. Like, do you get to keep the uniform of all the different minor league teams you play for? Or have you ever been offered illegal substances or has been tempted to get the needle? And do you really need to take a new ball every time it touches the dirt and throw the other ball out? All this and more on Section336.com, PressBoxOnline.com, and iTunes. What we do with our lives defines us. So consider a path that gives you an array of opportunities for your future. The U.S. Army gives you skills and experiences that make you a well-rounded person. With many ways to serve that align with your goals, you'll become a stronger individual. Find out more at GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.GoArmy.com slash impact. There's strong, then there's Army Strong, paid for by the United States Army. Get monumental President's Day savings right now at Jerry's Toyota. Save big at Jerry's with financing as low as 0% on over 400 new Toyotas in stock. Jerry's has unprecedented deals, like monthly payments as low as $129 a month on new Toyota RAV4s and Camrys. Plus, get huge savings on over 200 pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. And Every new and used Toyota from Jerry's comes with their exclusive It's About You loyalty benefits. Do it. Visit Jerry's Toyota on Bel Air Road, just a couple blocks north of the Beltway, or online at jerrystoyota.com. All with approved credit. Sale ends 228 18. 
Hey, it's Glenn, and you might not know this, but we actually have a great wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling no, podcast. No, 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 don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That means it is the best wrestling yeah, podcast. Just, Look, just, just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts, so it's me who brings people to Job and Out. Are you kidding me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, you're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, <laughs> real quick. It's Jobbing Out, Glenn Clark, Aaron and AJ Francis of the Washington Redskins. He's Terp. Every week we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, we are back on the battle round. Stan the Fan and Craig Heist. And joining us right now, as promised earlier in the program, and we're running a little late because a couple of our guests are so entertaining that they went a little long. Joining us right now is Michael Gibbons, a uh, Director Emeritus of the Babe Ruth Museum and Birthplace. Mike, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? All right. Can you hear us okay? Yeah, sure can. All right. That sounds great. Mike, uh, tell us a little bit about the um, Mount Rushmore of Maryland sports uh, promotion that you and the Baltimore Sun are combined with. Well, Stan, you know, uh, for forever, it, it seems uh, a topic of sports uh, not just here in Baltimore, but around the country, is uh, who is the Mount Rushmore? Who are the top athletes uh, in any given city? And and certainly here in Baltimore, uh, we've had uh, you know just so many great players come through, and so we decided to have some fun um, over the winter here and uh, and have fans vote for the Mount Rushmore of local sports. The criteria is that um, people athletes need to be born here, native sons and daughters or have played for local teams, with the exclusion, really, of only the uh, the Washington professional teams because that's a whole different marketplace, and so right. uh, it's something that the Baltimore Sun doesn't you know, get into too much. Um, so for the month of February, if you go to baltimoresun.com and uh, slash Mount Rushmore, you can vote for 20 athletes, uh, up, to tw- uh, up to 10 athletes from a group of 20 that a uh, select group of uh, local his- uh, sports historians put together and, uh, you know, vote on, vote on these people. And then starting on February 14th, the uh, fans will be able to then vote for four out of 10. So we'll, we'll pair the, the group down from 20 to 10 uh, then and then uh, vote. And at the end of the month, we will announce that, uh, with the Sun uh, the Mount Rushmore of local sports. Um, we had a panel of 13 people, including yourself, vote on, uh, uh, you know, from a list of about 300 athletes that uh, that we had compiled with the help of Mike Klingeman from The Sun. Sure. He did that a couple of years ago. So we looked at all these athletes, and a lot, a lot of the people on the panel came back and said it was one of the most difficult exercises they'd ever gone through, trying to get from 300 down to 20. And I'm sure you felt that way as well. Uh- I had some hard times. We 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 worked hard to get a couple women involved in the in the final twenty, and I felt just like women could be discriminated. I thought jockeys get overlooked, you know. And again, I'm not saying one belongs on the final four or five, but I thought in the top twenty uh, that somebody like a Chris McCarron or a Edgar Prado really probably belonged in that. But uh, you know, we didn't get one in the top twenty. No, we didn't. We ended up. Uh, we do have three women, and we got a couple boxers. And we got a couple uh, boxers in there. Yeah, to- Toots Barger. She made it, and uh, Toots was a a champion of uh, the duck pins. 
and and uh, she's there along with Carol Mann and uh, Katie Ledecky made it. So that's uh, that's really good. the The list is dominated by baseball and football players, as you can imagine, sure. uh, with guys like Brooks and Frank and Johnny Yu and Ray Lewis and and uh, that ilk. Um, uh, Jimmy Fox, uh, an old timer, made it along with Babe Ruth and Al and I was K- glad, and Al glad Kaline. To see Kaline made yep, it. yep, I agree. I agree. Can't believe Joe Flacco's not on that list. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> maybe not next. Yet. Maybe in twenty more years. All right. Good enough. <laughs> hey, um, Mike. The hardest problem I'm having, and Gary Stein and I got into it the other night on the TV show, which will be seen tomorrow, and you were part of that. Uh, was when I, when I really get down to my four, I have no problem putting Babe Ruth in there. I have no problem putting Michael Phelps in there across both, you know, the, the long history of sports, uh, you know. And then I get down to Brooks Robinson for me because of just who he is and playing his whole career in Baltimore beats Frank Robinson. And because of who Brooks was, he beats Cal for me. Okay, and that might be an age thing. But then when I got to the other day, when I probably first turned in my vote, I'm sure I included Unitas in my top four as an almost you got to. And the other night I started thinking that, well, we admit that Tom Brady is probably better than Unitas or has accomplished more. And maybe Joe Montana has, maybe Peyton Manning. But with Ray Lewis, to me, he's number one at his position. So all of a sudden, generationally, I felt like I was being sort of a hypocrite if I didn't put Ray Lewis in. So my question is, we got a lot of younger voters voting that somebody like a Ray Lewis or a Michael Phelps or a Cal Ripken might mean a heck of a lot more than Brooks Robinson, Unitas, or Ruth. Yeah, I think so. Uh, obviously, the fan base uh, comes from a lot of different perspectives, and and age being certainly one of those. And not everybody is a sports historian, uh, and really doesn't keep up with it all that much. They're fans, so um, this this vote, uh, which uh, you know certainly the fans have a major say in how this is going to work out, but there also will be a committee of sports historians, local sports historians, that will vote as well to try and bring some uh, balance into this. And uh, the other caveat uh, about the voting is that we all know that the Mount Rushmore has four presidents uh, right. featured. This end, uh, this uh, the conclusion of this poll, may end up with more than four. It could right. be five, it could be six, because we're, we're going to go with percentages. So let's say that Eddie Murray and Babe Ruth both end up with uh, 90% and um, you know they, along with four other guys who maybe got ninety-two percent or something. Right. Um, the, the feeling is, is we'll treat that like the Major League Baseball does when they put people into the Hall of Fame, and it, you have to achieve a certain percentage. So uh, we'll be taking a look at that. But nevertheless, I think that the, the most fun about this is that that it stimulates conversations like these. We just get to sit here and debate back and forth. Uh, you know, Jim Palmer is on the list. As you as you brought up, uh, Unitas uh, is not rank, ranked at the top of the quarterback list in the NFL, nor is Palmer listed at the top uh, of the MLB pitcher uh, rankings. But they were the best here. So uh, you have to, like, kind of scrutinize that uh, from your own perspective and see what you want to do. When we finish with this at the end of February, the museum will create an exhibit 
to show at the Babe Ruth birthplace, which will feature the Mount Rushmore of local sports, so people will be able to come down, see memorabilia about the winners uh, and their histories. So we think we're going to have a good time with it. All right, again, wrap it up. Uh, how can people vote? Go to BaltimoreSun.com uh, Mount, uh, slash Mount Rushmore. It'll take you to the page. You'll see the biographies on the 20 candidates that are there, and you'll be able to vote for 10 of them. So you just click on a little box uh, beside each player's uh, uh, photograph, and then at the bottom of that there is a place where you click on and it says vote, and you can do that. You can vote uh, frequently, as often as you want. And you don't have to be a subscriber. And you don't have to be a subscriber to the Sun. No, that's right. There's 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 no block on this, so you can All just right. go onto the site and uh, and do that. And uh, on February 14th, we will the Sun will announce the ten finalists, and then people will be able to vote for a couple of weeks uh, for their top four. And we'll see how we do. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Michael Gibbons. Really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. All right. All right. Uh, interesting exercise for our community. Again, BaltimoreSun.com slash Mount Rushmore. Right now, we are going to play an interview I was able to conduct yesterday. Uh, if I had known we would go this late, I probably wouldn't have conducted it. But we've got about 15, 17 minutes with Eddie Matz of ESPN.com. Then we'll come back and wrap things up on today's show. And joining me now is uh, Ed Matz from uh, ESPN.com. Ed, not only a, uh, uh, also a writer like myself and in the media, but he's also my cousin for full purposes of full disclosure. How are you, Ed Matz? Doing well, Stan. How are you? Good. Family okay? Everything good? Last time I saw them, everyone was still alive. All right. Well, the pitchers and catchers are just about, a you know, five, six days away from reporting. Uh, how is your work schedule mapped out this year? For a couple of years, you were doing both Baltimore Oriole baseball and Washington Nationals baseball. Last year, you kind of focused more on the Nationals and the national scene. What about this year? A little bit of everything. Still, we'll do a heavy dose of Nationals. We'll still focus on all the other 29 teams. Uh, but then I'll also be doing some Orioles stuff. Uh, probably not quite as much as in the beginning, but probably a little bit more than last year, I think. Uh, the whole Manny Machado buzz and yep. where he's going to end up and what's going to happen with him certainly kind of captivates some interest. So uh, I'll probably be following that beat a little bit. But so yeah, basically spreading it all around the league with with the with, with more focus on the Orioles and then even more so on the Nationals. Well, let's start out with that Manny Machado buzz vis-a-vis the Washington Nationals. They've got a player in an almost similar circumstance. I mean, both will be free agents. It's pretty much a fait accompli in Baltimore that Manny Machado will not return to the Baltimore Orioles beyond the 2018 season. In fact, they put him out for, you know, bid, uh, you know, offering him up in trades. Uh, but the Nationals, it's a much more hazy picture, isn't it? Yeah, I think with Harper, I, you know, before the Stanton trade, I, w- I would have said that there was a good chance that Harper ended up in New York. Now that they have Stanton, the outfield picture is kind of crowded there because they got Aaron Judge along with Stanton. And, you know, the, the numbers – don't really make sense there because then you're paying a bunch of money for a guy who might end up being like a designated hitter or, you know, if it's not Harper, mm-hmm. it becomes a DH, maybe it's judge or Stanton. So 
I think that makes the, it takes the Yankees out of the equation, which to me puts the Nationals either one or one A in the race to, to get him. I think to me, he's either going to stay in DC and, and continue being a National, or uh, either the Cubs or the Dodgers. I feel like would be if he's if he's not going to stay in DC, I could see him going to the Cubs or the Dodgers. I know people want to talk about the Phillies, uh, and they also want to talk about the Phillies as, as a potential suitor for Machado. I can't see I can't see Harper going to the Phillies. It's just too much of a, you know, he loves the Yankees. He loves the Cowboys. He loves these big brands with history. And to, to me, the Phillies are not that team. They're not built to win right now. And I think that's where Harper wants to be. So Washington would give him that opportunity as would Chicago or LA. Last year, the, the Washington Nationals did something vastly different than the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles knew that Machado was coming into a last season with with them before, you know, a last arbitration season before free agency. They did nothing. The Washington Nationals elected, like in the middle of May last year, to sign Bryce Harper to a pretty pro- progressive, proactive contract that – that seemed to be made of sort of uh, the stuff of like goodwill, a goodwill gesture. They signed him last May to a $21 million deal. Uh, I think Machado got about 16.5 for this upcoming season, under 17, I believe. Um, was that a smart move by the Nationals? And am I reading the tea leaves right that it was done to sort of do something positive to, to help the relationship? Yeah, I think that's part of it. You know, it, it's, it's positive and it's also non-negative, right? Because if yeah. you do go to arbitration, the arbitration process, by all accounts, I've never sat in on the room, but it's ugly, right? Like you get all these, you, you the team has to basically try and lowball the player. And in doing so, they have to put out these reasons why they think the player isn't worth as much as the player thinks they're worth. And so then you get the situation where the player is like, oh, really? Do you, is that really how you feel about me? It's like couples therapy, right? And yeah. that's like everything yeah. gets out in the open. You're like, wait, what? I thought we were in love. <laughs> so I think you, they, by doing that, the Nationals avoided all the negativity that can come along with arbitration. And then to your point, on top of that, it's a goodwill gesture. And I think the reason they did something like that and the Orioles didn't do something like that with Machado is because there is a very realistic chance that Harper stays in D.C. And so this is just one more thing that they can do to further that 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 directive whereas with Orioles and Machado you know if you want to talk about the tea leaves everything seems to indicate that he's not going to be in Baltimore after 2018 so why even bother the Orioles owner is also somebody that when because he's the fact he's a lawyer very litigious also believes that a contract just like his deal you know with Masson he believes a contract, once it's signed, is forever or the length of the contract. And I've never heard of him ripping up a contract and sort of saying, hey, let's, uh, we don't think this is a really a great deal. Uh, we're going to up your pay. I mean, that's not in Peter Angelos's DNA. Yeah, and I get that. Like, you know, I feel like even more so in football, I feel like this happens all the time in football where guys will, you know, they demand to renegotiate their contract. And to me, that's that seems kind of silly. Like you sign the contract, if you play the contract, right? Like play what the contract is, make what the contract says you're going to make. But the flip side of that is, if you are thinking big picture and not just thinking about okay, cost and and expense and profit and all that stuff, and you are thinking goodwill and can we possibly keep Manny in Baltimore? Then yeah, then then there might be a reason to do it. But if 
if you if you're if you're Angelo and you say, look, we know he's gone after 18 anyway, so why bother? Like yeah. I get that, right? Like if you're looking at the bottom line, why why bother spending the extra money if you know it's not going to get you anywhere? Now you agree with my reading of the tea leaves on Harper. You also agree of what seems as obvious as the nose on our faces, Eddie, uh, that Machado's gone. Where does Jonathan Scope situation? Almost seems to me that the Orioles have doubled down on the exact same sort of path uh, with Machado, and they've allowed now Scope to actually have a better major league season in some ways. Uh, Machado, for example, has never, partly because of injury, has never driven in 100 runs. Scope drove in 105 this past season. If he has another season equal to this year, they've allowed him to become a 200 million plus player. Well, Scope has allowed himself to become a 200 million plus player. I mean, he's you know, he's become a really good second baseman, both you know offensively, defensively. So you know, credit to him. But yeah, the Orioles would be. You know, it's funny with DC. Everyone's focusing on Harper, and to me, I look at that and go, maybe they're focusing on the wrong guy. Like they'll be okay after Harper leaves because they've got other talented outfielders, and they've got Robles. Victor Robles is this hot prospect who's coming up, and if. Harper leaves, he probably replaces him. Sure. To me, Anthony Rendon is the guy that they should be focusing on locking up long-term. And it's kind of a similar situation in Baltimore with, here's all this talk about Machado. And I'm not saying that the Orioles will be fine without Machado. Yeah, right. But you could argue that Scope is the guy that they should be focusing all their attention on, maybe for different reasons. Maybe it's because he's, he's infinitely more resignable than a guy like Machado who grew up dreaming of pinstripes and, 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 and wearing number 13 like Alex Rodriguez and all that. Whereas scope, you know, doesn't necessarily have all that built in. Um, but yeah, it would seem like a smart thing to do would be to talk long-term extension with scope. You know, he's scope's interesting. He, I don't know if you're familiar with Fantex. Have you ever heard of Fantex? Yeah, I've, I'm very aware. He's one of five players that is with Fantex. Have you written about that? And for those that are listening or wondering what the hell are they talking about, he has yeah, actually so- sold his rights or, or a percentage of his rights to this group that invests in ball players. Yeah, so I haven't I've been wanting to write a story about it for a while now and maybe the time is now because Scope would be the sort of the perfect way into that story. So Fantex yep. is this company that was started by uh, among other people a former uh, pitcher who pitched at Columbia University and then um, they it's like real life fantasy sports where like yeah. you said these they basically sell shares of players to the public in exchange for 10% of the player's future earnings. And so prior to last year, you didn't really know how that deal was going to shake out. But now you mentioned Scope is like a $200 million player. Well, if he signs a $200 million deal, he's going to lose $20 million of that yep. to this offering, which I think was $4.9 million. So he would uh, he uh, would lose in that one. Of course, he's not going to be too bummed because he'd still be getting 180 gross. Um, but I think what's interesting about that is a year ago, maybe scope would have been maybe more, or this is the way general managers think. Cause I've spoken to some general managers and they hate fan text because it gives these young players another revenue stream that in essence gives them a reason to not sign a long-term contract extension, you know, cause guys like scope, you know, would say, Hey, $5 million. Yeah. That's a lot of money. I don't really need to sign a long-term extension. Now I've kind of insured my family's well being for the, for the near term and maybe even a little bit longer than that. Almost like another version of like an endorsement deal, right? Yep. It's not like there aren't other ways to get this money. But so I know that general managers are not fond of Fantex and they think it sabotages their ability to get long-term deals done. I don't know if that's 
the case with scope, but that might be part of what's going on there. Yeah. I mean, look, in sports, this has gone around, gone along in boxing 50, 60 years ago. The only difference there was the boxer never really got any money out of the deal. They owned him, right. uh, but they didn't sort of give him upfront money uh, to the tune that Fantex is doing. We're talking with Eddie Matz of ESPN.com. We're talking about the Nationals and the Orioles. Eddie, I was looking at it. Since 2012, the Nationals have averaged 92 wins a season. Uh, But it's almost been like an every other year type of thing. In 12, they won 98. The next year, they won 86. Then they went back to 96. Then they went down to 83. But the last two years under Dusty Baker, they seemed to stabilize. They won 95 games both season. Um, Before we talk about uh, Dave Martinez, your thoughts as to who should be managing this baseball team for 2018? Well, I think Martinez is a good choice, right? I think he, he's a good guy for the job. I don't, I'm not sure that Dusty Baker should have been let go in the first place or however you want to call it. He wasn't retained. Right? Yep. The contract was up anyway. They didn't make it past the first round either of these last two years under Dusty Baker, which they hadn't made it past the first round in two previous play, playoff appearances. So it's not like... I mean, look, they won 95 and 97 games under Dusty. And I remember talking to somebody inside the organization towards the very end of last year, like with a week left in the season. And they were like, look, if 95 and 97 doesn't get you a new contract, I don't know what does. Like, it doesn't even matter if they lose again in the first round. He's going to be back next year. Uh, And then, you know, a couple weeks later, he's gone. So I think we were all really surprised. You know, you could argue that maybe Dusty's game management had something to do with them not getting past that first round, but I don't really think so. I mean, crazy things happen in the playoffs. Every game is close. You could argue that part of the reason he got let go is because of that whole Strasburg debacle. You know, he was going to start, then he wasn't going to start. He was sick. He wasn't sick. My thoughts are that they were well aware that Dusty was not happy with the salary he was making, and I think they felt like – we're going to rehire – because I personally think Dusty should still be managing them. And I'm not saying that Dave Martinez is a bad choice, but my personal thought was like, we know this guy wants to make a good bit more money and he thinks he deserves it. We don't think he's proven that he deserves that. Therefore, we're going to re-sign a guy who's unhappy with what his compensation is. Let's get a guy that appreciates what his compensation is. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Dusty was making two million a year, I think. Yep. So, which is on the low end, that, which is on the low end of of managerial salaries. Yeah, and so maybe he asks for three or four a year for like one year or two. It doesn't seem like much, right? Like Dave Martinez is has a deal that's averaging him almost, I think, a million a year. So you're talking about a difference of maybe two million, three million dollars for a manager. Yep. You're spending 180 million dollars on your payroll. It doesn't seem like that should be a reason to change managers. And maybe it wasn't. It yep. might have been part of it. But it does seem a little, uh, I, I always get this wrong, penny-wise, pound-foolish, pound-wise, yeah. penny-foolish, yeah. one of those. Yeah. <laughs> short-sighted, like short-sighted yeah. a little bit. You know. uh, we're talking with Ed Matz. We're, let's hone in on the Nationals for a couple more minutes. You know, I've noticed, I looked at the attendance that the Nats have drawn. Their first year they moved to Washington where they were still playing at RFK, they drew $2.7 million. And then since they've been in the new ballpark, they've drawn 2.6 a couple times. Um, they seem more solid than the Orioles now in attendance. Do you think it, there's a $3 million, a $3 million fan base there 
if everything is going right in the midst of a season? Yeah, I think there is. They're only, what, three, 400 away from that. I think when you win, these attendance figures tend to be more reactive than proactive, right? right? Yep. So I think if, you know, like I'm sure the Astros will get a big bump this year being world champions, both on the home, uh, at home and on the road. So I think if the Nationals actually get past the first round and get the World Series and even win a World Series, then yeah, you would see, you could approach, if not break three million the following year. Because that's how fans are. They're like, they're, yep. they don't want to, they just kind of want to hop on when things are good. Ah, the world champions. Let's go see the world champions. Yeah, I think they could do. I don't think it's a rabid fan base. I don't think yep. it's ever going to be a rabid baseball fan base, even in another generation. It's just too transient of a town. But I can see him getting a three million. One uh, aspect of uh, the way that the Nationals conduct their business, they sure seem like they they let Scott Boros kind of come in, and I'm sure Mike Rizzo isn't a big fan of this, but he sort of bypasses Rizzo and goes to Ted Lerner. And he seems like he's able to get some of his players signed in Washington. One of those was last year they signed Matt Wieters to, what was it, a three-year, $33 million contract, something like that? I think it was 11 yeah, a year. Yeah, I, I think it was I think it was a two, I think it was a one year with an option. One right? year with an option. Okay, so, so he's it like, back. It was like two, two for 22, and the second that's, year was an option. That's what it is. All right, so he's back. But all we read about is how unhappy they were with him defensively. Now, I didn't see many Nationals games during the course of the season. I was watching his offensive numbers because I've always thought Matt was a good receiver with a great arm before his uh, Tommy John surgery. But he's really regressed quite a bit, and it was kind of shocking to watch some of his foibles during the playoffs last year. Yeah, especially that one really yeah. weird play in the like the sixth inning or whatever yeah. where Scherzer was pitching and there was that pass ball and then he fired at the first. It was a bizarre play. Yeah, um, he was he was fine defensively last year. I don't know that he was that much markedly different or worse than he had been previously. If you look at the numbers, I don't know if you believe in how much value you put into WAR and offensive WAR and defensive WAR. His defensive WAR number last year was relatively similar to his 2016 number. Uh-huh. What I noticed in 2016 in Baltimore before he left is that year, I remember thinking to myself, man, the ball's getting by him a lot. That's what I'm so, talking about, yeah. Yeah, it just seemed like he wasn't containing the pitches, the, like the, the bouncers in the dirt and that kind of stuff. Uh, the running game, I felt like, obviously, he's coming back from an arm thing, so you know, that's going to take a little while to get back. But so defensively, I didn't see that much of a different guy. To me, the big difference was was offensively, but the power numbers you knew were going to go down because he was going, he was leaving Camden Yards and going to Nats Park. And it's not like Nats Park is some cavernous space, not like Oakland, but it's not Camden Yards. So, you know, I, I think I, I personally wasn't surprised by the drop in offensive production. You know, the average, he finished it in 225. I didn't think that was going to be that low, but, um, you know, he actually started off really strong. That's the funny thing. The first yeah. month of the season, everyone in Washington was like, wow, who's this, this Weeders guy? guy? And because I had covered both teams, they were like looking to me for like, is this who Weeders is? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, no, not really. So what's even <laughs> worse about it is I, for, I forget the cutoff, but from like the beginning of May or June onward, his numbers were just abysmal. Like yeah. the last four and a half, five months of the season was just brutal offensively. We're talking with Ed Matz. Ed, before I let you go, at the top of the rotation there in Washington, you got uh, Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg. Gio Gonzalez is probably, while a regular season number three, it's clear in a postseason you really he's more of a four or a five. Has it surprised you that the Nats haven't tried to step up 
And in the remaining uh, portion of this offseason, a Cobb, a Lynn, an Arietta, do you see it as a possible fit, or are they fine beyond those top three? That's a possibility that they would sign. Because, look, they got Scherzer in 2015 when they certainly didn't need him. They already yep. had a really good staff. That was back when Jordan Zimmerman was still on mm-hmm. the team. And they spent $210 million on him. It turned out to be a brilliant signing at this point. Like, if you're ever worth $30 million a year, it's, it's Max Scherzer. It's Max Scherzer. But, no, I think Gonzalez, like you said, he hasn't performed that well in the postseason. But, you know, you've got Scherzer and Strasburg at the top. And Strasburg last year was a completely another level for him. Yeah. So if he can maintain what he's done, it doesn't – it almost doesn't even matter what your number three starter does because you know you're going to get gold from Scherzer and Strasburg. So, no, I think, you know, they've got – they're pretty well set. The bullpen is in good shape for the first time in forever heading into the season. Position players are pretty set. You know, I think they could probably use a little bit of an upgrade like in the number five spot. But Tio Gonzalez, even though he's not quite as good as his numbers were last year, I think you're totally fine going in with Scherzer, Strasburg, and, and Gonzalez. All right. Ed Matz of ESPN.com. Ed, thanks for spending some time with us. Sure thing. Take care. All right. We'll be back with more and wrap this show up right after this. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. For the first time ever, it's our best of Baltimore sports double issue as we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the last 12 months, including the announcement of our first ever local sports person of the year. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. They say you're only as strong as the company you keep. The U.S. Army keeps you in strong company. If you want to stand out, the Army can give you the training you need. To take advantage of the strong options waiting for you, visit GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.GoArmy.com slash impact. There's strong, then there's Army Strong, paid for by the United States Army. The Parkcell Early Phase Unit at Harbor Hospital is looking for healthy males and females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study. Length of participation and number of visits vary by study. If you qualify, you may receive compensation ranging from $1,200 to $8,500 upon completion. For more information, please visit our website or call one 617 617 8839. Call now. Trying to feed a crowd? Order Chick-fil-A catering online from our friend Steve at the Nottingham Square Chick-fil-A. Hot or cold, the scrumptious platters from Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square make throwing your party easy and affordable. Hot Chick-fil-A nuggets, grilled chicken, cool wraps, salad trays, and the chocolate chunk cookie tray. And Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square will deliver. Place your order now. Go to Chick-fil-A.com, choose the Nottingham Square store, and get your party started. It's delicious, and your house will smell out of this world. Don't forget the Chick-fil-A surprise. 
prize play of the game, reheatable bite-sized nuggets are sure to draw a crowd. And it's still cold outside. Slurp up the sizzling chicken tortilla soup or the soul-cheering chicken noodle soup at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. Hear the latest in high school sports news with High School Sports Line, powered by County Sports Zone. Each week, Glenn Clark and Wick Eisenberg will bring you the scores from around Maryland, games to watch, and discuss the latest high school sports news on High School Sports Line. What an amazing season for Coach Tim Palmer, who joins us now here on High School Sports Line. My motivation is to build character and build quality young men who want to play this game properly. Listen anytime at mdnewsnetwork.net. Kyle, here's the thing. Since we're streaming live now every day at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, video-wise, I'm going to need you to step your game up when it comes to what you wear to work every day from 10 to noon. Uh, I hear you. I mean, I, I'm, they can't see my legs. I can still wear the chaps. Okay, that's fine. I just don't understand, for me, why they have to be assless chaps. I have the chaps that I have. Well, okay. And I have the toes that I have. This is what we do every day from 10 to noon. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer for Glenn Clark Radio. I'm not sure that you'll learn anything. I'm not sure that you'll ever really be entertained. But afterwards, it's going to be a pleasant experience for all involved. How does that work? Yeah, don't worry about it. Glenn Clark Radio and Facebook.com slash Sports. Well, since Ottenheimer got his uh, eyebrows taken care of yesterday. It's threaded. 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 I wonder if that maybe does anything. Him, maybe I wonder if with that him does it was any, shredded. I wonder if it does anything to his voice. <laughs> you mean it make, make, make it higher pitched? Maybe, exactly. <laughs> like when they were doing the procedure. <laughs> um, anyway. We went a little long today. You think? <laughs> and Brittany's got to be at Towson by 1 o'clock, so mm-hmm. we're going to say a quick goodbye. Well, there goes my lunch everybody. date for the afternoon. Next week, neither Craig or I will be here, and we are preparing a best-of program that you won't want to miss. All right? So that does wrap it up. Thank you for coming in, Craig. Not a problem. You and I won't work together, I think, until the week before I go to spring training, I think. I think that's correct. I got the next, uh, I'm out the next two weeks. Right, right. You're out the 17th and the 24th. Right, and then Then I'm back a week, and then. uh, uh, Well, we'll go over it. We go over it. I think I'm back a week, and then uh, I'm gone another week. All right. Who cares? Who, Who really cares? Well, Who really cares? You, evidently, because <laughs> no, you, you need for, me at the end of March. <laughs> I need you on March 17th badly. All right. Thank you, Brittany Everett. Thank you for watching or listening to the Bat Around. Don't forget, tomorrow's tomorrow's program is going to start at 9 o'clock. Fantasy and Reality Football Show starts at 9 o'clock, goes 9 to 11, because Brittany is sitting in for Kyle Ottenheimer. And again, we're adhering to Brittany's schedule. Like, well, there's nothing wrong with that. All right, she's already the boss. She's already the boss. She's replaced uh, Bonza, Bonza who? Two, 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 Bonza Hufu. Hufu. <laughs> All right. Hey, we've enjoyed talking to you, talking about the great game of baseball tomorrow, 9 to 11, fantasy and reality football show. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer, Monday through Friday, 10 to 12. Out of here. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.